Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. And it has been an interesting week for all the New York teams and a, a lot of interesting stuff to happen around the NHL. Don't worry, we'll be covering all of it for you. I, of course, am your host, Mark Williams. And I am joined by the host of the final buzzer and prize heckler, Mr. John Fulkowski. Gotta heckle some guys, especially when they're uh, slacking, not playing defense. Uh, and then another one that uh, goal hangs a little bit. So, yeah. Yes. But you know what? When you got the guy that scored the first goal of the game in the Spitfire scrimmage last night at UBS Arena, Mr. Anthony Larocco. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, I know you guys were, were in attendance, especially Philk. So I, I figured I do my best OV uh, impression and snap one real quick. But, um, you know, Mark, I just want to extend my condolences to you as I'm sure you saw that Tua has been ruled out for the playoff game against Buffalo this week. So, um, you know, on my behalf, uh, you know, my bills are going to roll your dolphins and it is what it is. So just wanted to get that out of the way now. I, I think the bills could win this game if they took a knee on every offensive play. <laughs> it's sort of like, thanks a lot, New England. If you would have won last week, the Dolphins would have been eliminated and there wouldn't have been no problems. But now <laughs> I got to watch it for one more week and it ain't going to be all that fascinating. So uh, it's a little bit tragic, but could always be much, much, much. Well, actually, no, I don't think it's going to get much worse. This is going to be one of the worst playoff losses, I think, ever. So, guys, always, uh, whenever we can, we try to get the final buzzer with John Falkowski and, of course, Mark's 60-second game reviews on YouTube or Instagram. And couldn't exactly do that last night, though. <clears throat> uh, uh, what? Couldn't exactly do that last night. We were watching someone oh, no. uh, who I thought was going to come out with a tinted visor, but he didn't have the tinted visor anymore. <laughs> Not a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, just a quick question in the comments. Uh, if they got a tinted visor, chances are they're a douche, right? All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. The New York Rangers this week, they went 2-0-1, wins against Montreal and the Wild, but they lose a, uh, a two-goal lead in the third period to New Jersey, as Anthony pointed out to us. Phil Peedle, not exactly on his horse to catch up to Damon Severson as he scored the game winner, but the Rangers are still solidly in third place, 53 points, 23 wins, and uh, 12 losses, 7 OT, whatever the hell you want to call them now. And the goal differential plus 22. Yeah, I know. OT losses, what do you what do you do with that? I don't know. Philk, just what do you make of the New York Rangers week? Kind of a just going along type week, an okay week. I mean, the Montreal game, I, I thought they were all right. I didn't think they were great. I didn't think they were bad either. But they were okay. They did what they had to do against a team that they should have beaten, and they beat them. Um, the the Devils game was a loss that they should have never lost. You, you have a two-goal lead in the third period, and they just took a lot of lazy, undisciplined penalties that ended up uh, you know, leading to a you know a bunch of power play goals. And, you, know, you, you give a team that many opportunities in the power play, especially in key situations, they're eventually going to come back to get you. Um, the Rangers' penalty kills got to be better. And then, you know, the, the Minnesota game, I mean, I, I went back and I had to actually watch it today because I, I um, as, as did I, I watched it there last night. night. But, you know, it, it, it 
it seemed like it wasn't a bad game by any means. I, I'm, I, I'm not like overly impressed, but you know, they kind of handled what they had to handle. Minnesota took the play to them at times. They took the play to Minnesota at times. I, just kind of a, an overall okay performance. And, you know, they came through and they won it in the shootout, which was good. Capo Caco got a real, real fortunate break on the shootout attempt, which ended up leading to a goal. Marc-Andre Fleury looked like he was trying to um, put himself into a slinky like Dominic Hasek used to in the middle of his net, inside his own net. So, um, you know, the, the Rangers, they got the uh, – I, I will say this. The tying goal that was scored by Hedl – um, that was, uh, it's not a nice goal. It's a garbage goal, but it's a nice goal for them to score because you need to see more of that jam from this team. And mm-hmm. I, I like that. It's one of those like signature plays where it's just like, okay, like everyone just, they wanted it and they ended up getting it and they ended up yeah, winning the game. But overall, not a, not a, not a bad week. They got points in, in all their games. Uh, they got five out of six points which is always good. You're always going to take that in a three-game span. But, um, yeah, I, I think they still need to be a little better. I would like to see them play better, and I I hate losing a two-goal lead, especially in a third. Don't like yeah, that. Yeah, that's, that's another one. I think a month ago that would have been an OT loss. Sorry, a regulation loss, not an OT loss. So the Rangers getting five out of the six points. They, they took care of business. Them coming back and uh, getting the win versus Minnesota, very big. But – you know, like I said, as Anthony pointed out, I'm going to send it down to you right now. Uh, they got to they gotta be better after some turnovers, especially at three-on-three. Three. I know Lafreniere got killed for it. But, again, Damon Severson isn't a burner, right, Anthony? <laughs> no. That was, um, you know, that was just a poor, poor effort on, on Heedle's part getting back. Uh, I know he was probably out there for a little bit, but still he looked like he just mailed it in. He, said, he figured, eh, it is what it is at this point. But, um no, I mean, overall, I mean, Phil said it perfectly. Look, you know, they, they beat a bad Montreal team, which is nothing to write home about, but they took care of business and beat a team that they're supposed to beat. Um, you know, the Devils game, listen, I wouldn't be happy about that if I was a Ranger fan. You're up 3-1, um, and, you know, you, you lost. Uh, you got a point, but you still lost after being up 3-1 to a division rival. Um, and gave the Devils, too. Yeah, and, and the Minnesota game, look, you know, the good – they came back from a 2 nothing deficit. They were down 2 nothing in Minnesota. They came back and won the game. Um, the bad, though, you know, they were down 2 nothing to Minnesota. You know, it was at times it looked like – I mean, I know we didn't, we didn't watch the game, but um, like Phil said, it was very kind of seesaw. And, you know, that, that's a game that honestly could have, you know, could have gone either way. They, they tied the game late on that Heedle garbage goal, as Phil mentioned. Um, you know, so they were in danger at some point of losing that game. Uh, you know, Minnesota's not a bad team. You know, they have 48 points. So they're, 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 you know, a, a, a solid team. But let's face it, you know, if that that was the Boston Bruins, they were down 2 nothing to and played like that, you know, last night's, you know, probably a loss. And you're you're singing a different tune. So um, they have things they can clean up. But, as, again, as Phil mentioned, they got, what, five out of six points. So at the end of the day, you, you take that and run. And, you know, you can't really cry about it. But, um, you know, overall – Again, you take that every single day, but I, I think there are areas of the game they have to clean up. Um, you know, I think was, Artemi Panarin is is really great in the shootout. Um, you know, and he's a really good player, but I, I still think that sometimes he needs to he needs to raise his game in other areas of the ice. Um, and I, and the problem is when you have a guy like that, 
you know, it could be infectious to the rest of the team. So I think even though he's not the captain or anything, I think he really needs to lead by example um, and really up his game in all areas of the ice. But uh, again, overall, they're, they're sitting pretty right now um, where they are third in division, only what a point behind New Jersey for second. Yes. Uh, so that that's, that's always a good thing. But um, again, as we saw in this league, you know, you lose a couple in a row and then you're starting to feel some pressure on your ass from teams below you. So they just got to keep winning games and, you know, don't get complacent. And especially in the Metropolitan Division where there's going to be quality team because it's going to be going home. And uh, just, just finishing up with the Rangers on this one, Phil, you look at that first period, there, there was puck luck was not on their side in any way. As a matter of fact, they had a goal that the red light went on. It, it wasn't a goal, clearly. It was a post-it. But uh, and then you had other ones that Flurry stopped on the goal line, but you, you look at that and go, if it bounced the other way, maybe it would have been less of a seesaw game. But they got they they didn't have their best fastball and they did what they needed to, right? Basically, I mean, if, when you're not playing your best hockey and you're still getting five out of six, that's really good. Um, I mean, their schedule coming up is uh, just to give you like a quick overview of what they have going on. So their next game is against Dallas tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. going to be a tough game. I mean, even with hints out, Dallas is still a really good team, as we saw last night. Um, they could still play really, really good defensive hockey if they need to. Sunday, More they play the Dallas Stars in a moment. What's that? More on the Dallas Stars in a moment. Uh, Montreal is, you know, Montreal, they just they just beat them. So they should be able to beat them again on Sunday. Uh, Columbus is a floundering team. Um, they just got lit up by Tampa Bay last night, and then that that's on Monday. And then you, you after that, you have uh, Boston on the 19th, and that's going to be uh, a real interesting game. That's going to be a test of strength right there. That's your litmus test. Can you play with the Bruins? Mm-hmm. So, And after that, you got Florida, up and down team. Toronto, another strong team playing very well. Vegas, another strong team playing very well. So three – Three of the last four games of the month are against the cream of the crop right now. More on that later on. So. Yes. And uh, we're actually going to move on. But first, we're going to yeah. answer DP's question right here. Phil, what's your honest opinion on Jacob Truba? It's not good enough. Not good enough. Horrendously overpaid. Uh, I don't think he's captain material. I, I just think that for some reason, I, I, I think that the pressure of the captain's sea has gotten to him. I, I, I don't buy the playing through an injury excuse anymore. Like, I, I think his, his foot speed is just terrible. I think his decision-making is just bad with the puck. It is, shouldn't be on power play too. Um, I mean, if he was making half of his salary, you could, you could deal or half of the captain, you could deal with him, but he doesn't belong in a top four. He doesn't belong playing 20 or close to 20 minutes a game anymore. I just think that the Rangers have to move him as soon as that no movement clause ends up uh, dissipating and it goes down to a modified no trade with his trade list. So they better move him as soon as possible and open up whatever cap space they can open up by moving him. And that doesn't happen until the end of the 2024 season. Correct. Uh, Anthony. I mean, Phil said a lot of what I was going to say. I mean, I'm just going to sum it up. He's bad. I mean, his foot, his foot speed, as Phil mentioned, um, you know, it's, it's 
it's it's bad. I'll go back to it's it's not good. And you know, when you're a defenseman um, and you don't have good foot speed like that, it's a recipe for disaster with 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 getting just you know kind of put it inside out and made to look like a traffic cone at times. Um, and on top of that, eight million a year, um, it's not it's not a good thing. Um, and I just think overall, you know, his game I think has gone down. It's, listen, it's it's his game isn't close to where it was in Winnipeg, where he had a what a fifty point season. Um, Twenty eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, it's mm. it's gone down. It's regressed. Uh, like Phil said, his his speed he slowed down a lot. Um, I think sometimes he gets out of position looking for that thunderous hit. Because I mean, I will give him that he can hit really hard. But I think sometimes he gets out of position looking for it, um, and it's just yeah, you know, sometimes he he hurts the Rangers. So. Uh, you have to live with him for what at least another year, but yeah. Um, but again, to go back to the eight million, that just makes things so much more worse. Yeah, and I gotta agree with you guys on that. The uh, the foot speed and everything else, but he is one of the better shot blockers on the team, and he does bring the physicality. He I believe he leads the league in hits and block shots. Yeah, and I think last year he led the playoffs in league in hits and block shots. So, I mean, that's where the good part is, and that's where it's like I'm trying to justify it. But remember, Phil, for the last What's 10 years. What's the difference years, between him and Dan Girardi then? There you go. That's basically it. Uh, the bigger hits from Jacob Truba, and sometimes. Truba put up more points at his very best and even even in his worst seasons than Girardi did. But, I mean, it's the same. Basically, he's playing almost as bad, if not worse, defensively than Girardi in his last couple of years with the Rangers. Oh, that is pretty, pretty damning. <laughs> that is pretty damning. It's not and good. By, by the way, we always like to see comments like this one from Wicked, who's saying, good evening, guys. I'm taking a brief dip from my meetings to be here. It's what happens. When we're, we're we appreciate you. reviewing, thank you very much, everybody, for your support. Because we are going to move on to Wicked. Just, just for quick reference, I looked it up uh Jacob Trub is second in block shots. Alec Martinez leads the league in block shots. Trub is second. So he was first Close. for like a majority yeah. of the season. So I guess Martinez just took that over. Well, we're going to move on to the team that Wicked roots for all the time, the New York Islanders. The Islanders, since our last broadcast, a tough week. They went 0-3. They finished the West Coast trip, the Western Canada trip, with uh, losses to Edmonton and Calgary that were back to back. And oh, sorry, thank you. I were, I saw it too, just as you mentioned in that. Yeah, oh, and um, and a no, shootout. They, won, they, beat, they beat Vancouver. They were one and three on the road trip, Mark. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one, two, and one. Okay, that yeah. was before our our last our last show. So that is true, though. Yeah. yeah. So that's the only reason why I say it like that to finish up the re- the rest of the week. But at least Not we got the, we, yeah, you got right, the so, so in there. We'll, we'll give we'll give the point to that to Mark for that one. <laughs> so. We bash Mark for all of his mistakes. We do have to be <laughs> here. Even though I did have to correct that little tidbit right there. No, well, no, it's a good thing we corrected that because I, I did say shootout lost. Clearly, that's a point. Yeah. I, mean, I was just watching a video before where they were they were referred <clears throat> to uh, private hicks from aliens as corporal. You're like, no, that's not right. So anyway, the New York Islanders right now sitting in fifth place, 47 points, 22-17-3. Their goal differential has gone down. And Anthony, this is a critical stretch for the New York Islanders starting like, well, you went with last night to versus the Dallas stars, the next seven games versus Minnesota versus Montreal versus Washington versus Boston at Buffalo. I'm going to that game. I can't wait to see that one uh, versus Carolina and at Toronto. 
Wow. Are the Islanders in their most important stretch? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, it's in the, you're in the meat and potatoes of the season right now. Um, things are tight. You know, they're, they're one point behind Pittsburgh for, for the last, you know, for that last, uh, wild card spot. Um, you know, that, that Western road trip, um, where they went one and three, the, the first periods, they were, they were garbage in all those games in the first period. Um, and the games against Edmonton and Calgary, uh, that trend continued and, you know, they, they, they weren't good. Uh, and the game against the flames, you know, Varlamov came back uh, for, after being out for a couple of weeks and, you know, he was, he was real bad. Um, honestly, probably lost them the game, but um, the, the encouraging thing was they came home, they played a really good Dallas stars team. And I mean, we were there. Uh, yep. They didn't give, they didn't really, they didn't give Dallas much of anything. Um, and, you know, I know, Ettinger gave up one goal, so you could say the same thing about the Stars. However, you know, if it weren't for that defensive lapse where they just got beat by a good passing play, you know, Sorokin could have had a one nothing shutout win. So they, they played really strong defensively, I thought. Uh, so that's encouraging. They bucked the trend of not showing up in the first period, um, and they went toe-to-toe against a good Dallas Stars team. So uh, you just, you just got to put the, that bad road trip in the rearview mirror and you just got to build on their game from, you know, from last night. Uh, that's all you could do. And, you know, that stretch you just showed, there were some good teams on that. But, you know, again, the, their next two games are against the Wild and the Wild and the Canadians. So those are two very winnable games. Uh, in my opinion, you, you have to you have to win both of them uh, and then go from there. Um, and the encouraging thing is the Islanders seem to really struggle against teams that are either below them or, you know, on the same level as them. They, they actually play better when they play better teams. If you look at it, you know, they beat Carolina. You know, they went toe-to-toe against Boston. They beat Colorado, you know. So they, they raise their game. So some of those other tougher games that you're going to see in that stretch, um, I'm honestly not as afraid as much as you think I would be just because of how they've played against certain teams this year. So, um, again, build off, build off the game from last night, um, you know, and then, and then go from there. Uh, give, but also give Dallas credit too. Dallas really gave them nothing. Uh, chances are, you know, they'll get more opportunities, more looks against Minnesota, who is not as good defensively as Dallas. So, listen, like I said, you're you're in the meat of it right now. Um, mm-hmm. And and the the good thing is is that, you know, you're starting you're starting to get healthier. You know, Simone Holmstrom came back in the lineup uh, last night. Kyle Palmieri uh, rotated in with. Uh, like a regular Jersey on practice today. So he's close to coming back, you know, Adam Pellick resumed skating. Um, and Lane Lambert said today, he hopes that he'll join, he'll join the rest of the team in the next couple of days. Uh, so that's, that's all good news, you know, getting healthy at the right time. Um, and then when all else fails, you know, you look at it, you know, Ilya Sorokin's going strong. He's second in the league in save percentage and you always know what you're going to get out of him. So, um, when you have him in net, you're always going to have a chance to win. So, uh, but yeah, again, build off what you went from last night and then, you know, try to stockpile points because <laughs> like I said, the last couple of weeks, it's going to be a dog fight. And also just to mention with those next seven games, uh, you got five of them are at home. So Which that's already a plus. I mean, yeah. yeah. You've been away from UBS for a while. And one last thing, Islander fans, the eighth game on this list that's right after the Toronto game is Ottawa. That's two points for you right there. And also to add, 
the, the Jason Robertson shot, the goal last night, you were talking about it being a brilliant passing play. Let's not forget the shot. He had to the go shot itself is just, yeah. yeah. He, had to, he had to ring that in. And uh, we yeah. were able to hear that in the other then, end of the And then his shot in the shootout was just perfect. Yeah. Like, what, yeah. what are you going to do about a shot like that? Just Oh, and that's another you, thing before I end it over. You just your cap shootout. on that, and that's it. They're, they're in their last 10 shootouts. I think they're one in nine. Um, they're, they're just – the shootouts, you know, it kills them. It's, it's becoming a problem. Um, they're not scoring in the shootout. And, you know, listen, I, I hate the skills competition, but at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's part of the game. You know, like you see, the Rangers yeah. excel at it. They have guys like Panarin who always seem to score. Um, the Islanders need to, need to change something because, again, the shootout is here to stay, and they, they got to they gotta be better in it. Over the last two years, it's cost them a bunch of points. So – they got to find a way to to got to be pick up a point in the shootout. Uh, Anthony, Jan, answer that one. Phil, answer that, and then go right into your opinions. So, I, honestly enough, uh, I think it was yesterday we wrote the game. Uh, I guess Ledecky did some sort of media availability because I saw some quotes from him. Well, yeah, um, I think enough, we saw him when we walked in. He, he was asked. He was asked about Lou, and he and no, he said they have all they have all the faith in Lou and. Um, you know, I, I would have to pull up the exact quotes, but it was more along the lines of they have all the they have all the uh, faith in Lou, him and Malk, uh, him and Malkin have all the faith in Lou and they trust him. And, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. You know, he knows what he's doing. So emphatically to answer that question, no, they will not going to fire him. Um, if Lou leaves, it's going to be on his own accord. Phil, your ideas with that. Um, to answer Chris's question, I, I kind of I've got to agree with Anthony here. I don't I don't see him firing Lou. Uh, well, they just if, simply if, wouldn't renew I, his contract, right? I, I was about to say they either wouldn't renew his contract, or there would be some sort of mutual parting of ways type rhetoric that would come out. Um, the, the, no one in this league is going to ever fire Lou Lamorello. Um, that's just not going to happen like that. It's He's going to go on his own accord, and that's how it's going to be portrayed to the media, no matter what happens behind the scenes. Um, I think somebody would end up dead if it was somehow leaked that he was "quote unquote" fired. So we'll uh, we'll keep that shtick going for a bit. Especially um, the guy in the top left corner over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. This is how I'd be waking up with the horse <laughs> head in my bed. Yeah. So, so um, in terms of the Islanders, I, I, I mean. The Calgary game, I, I just thought they were flat out outplayed. I thought Calgary just played like a desperate team that needed points. Um, it just, just I think they're a better team on paper. That's why a lot of us picked them to go all the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, all three of us. Season. All three of us, yeah. So um, Calgary played like the team that they should be uh, at this point. Um, Edmonton, just the Stars took over in that game. And just Mick, Mick Dry, if you want to call them that, just took <laughs> over that game and that was it. It happens. I mean, you can't give them the time and space to do what they want to do because if you do, you're going to end up on the wrong end of the uh, the stick. McDonald's sounds like a, a beer, something like that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's enjoyable to watch, so it goes down smooth as well. But um, yeah, the I, I would say the, the the game that we were at last night was just a real tightly defensive played game. And if you're an Islander fan, you you hang your hat on that one. I mean, it, it's you never want to lose points, but you know, at least if you're playing well like that, it's a good sign. And you know, I, I don't want to say a moral victory, but it, it's something that you can hang your hat on and take into the next game. And say, hey, we played really good defensively. Our goalie was 
all world in that game. And we didn't let them get a lot of shots. Because, I mean, if you look at the shot totals, they favored the Islanders blatantly. Like I think it was 28-26. I mean, no, but for most of that game, the Islanders were out shooting them. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and Dallas made up that gap. I mean, entering entering the third period, I think the Islanders were out shooting them by 10 shots at that point, somewhere in that range. And by the way, oh. oddly enough, I, I brought this up to Philk, and, and you were next to me when I said it too, Anthony. Like the shot um, clock person, they were like, yeah, the shot on that. And then a couple minutes, like maybe a, a minute later, later, it's gone. Nah, no, nah, it's not a shot on that. <laughs> yeah, like, on yeah, that, I, yeah. And Mark pointed it out the first time I missed it. And then the second time he pointed it out, I, I, I was paying attention to it and I saw it. So it was kind of <laughs> weird. But um, yeah, I, 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 I like the way that they played last night, even though they lost. I, I would be happy with that. It's just they have a very important stretch coming up, but they have two other really big stretches towards the end of this year where you're looking at a murderer's row of opponents. And the, the first one is in February. So from February 17th through February 28th, it's Pittsburgh, Boston, Pittsburgh again, Winnipeg, Los Angeles, Winnipeg again, and Minnesota. Oof. Yeah. That they're and going to Winnipeg in the middle of that. Oh, yeah. And, and Minnesota. It's a home and home with Winnipeg uh, with a, a game at home against Los Angeles sandwiched in between. So... And then they have another stretch in March from March 27th, well, March into April, March 27th through April 6th, where it's New Jersey, Washington, Tampa Bay, Carolina, uh, at Tampa Bay and Carolina. It's at Washington, at Tampa Bay, at Carolina. And then it end, the five-game stretch ends at home against Tampa Bay. So you've got three really big, important stretches of five or more games so the Islanders are not ha- – they don't have an easy schedule to end this season. They really don't. Well, Whoever made the uh, schedule might have it out for the Islanders this year. Well, I again, you got to look – the eye test says the Islanders were good last night. They, uh, they kind of were more vintage Islanders, that they were limiting the shots on goal. Both teams took away the center of the ice really well last night, and there, there just wasn't much that was going on. And yes, the offensive is anemic, and it needs help as – Alon is saying right here, uh, this is not going to end well. Lou uh, Lemarel has to be fired at the deadline. Uh, the offense is anemic, and it's going to have a stubborn GM who is unwilling to swerve away from bringing in thirty. So he's a uh, thirty, and he's on he's on uh, all things Islanders. I mean him, um, and we agree on a lot of things. There are a lot of there are a lot of homers on that site that always, you know, drink Kool Aid. But the one thing I will say. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's not over. I mean, he's being a little dramatic. <laughs> like I said, they're they're one they're one point out of a wild card spot, and they have a world class goalie, um, which is one of the reasons why they are where they are. But um, you know, again, they they just they just need to get healthy. I mean, I can't tell you, Adam Pellick coming back, um, well, is going to do wonders. And I'll, I'll say one thing: um, when Adam Pellick comes back, Parker Worthespoon should not find himself back in Bridgeport. I mean, he should stay in the lineup and you know move move Aho out, but I know because of left-right shot, that probably won't happen. But the point is, Pella coming back in the lineup um, is going to help them immensely because, I mean, he he's he's so important to their penalty kill and their matching lines. And, um, 
you know, he'll, he'll make a huge difference. I know that's not really going to help for scoring more goals, but um, him in the lineup makes them much, much harder. I know a team that could use a left side defenseman reliable on their third pairing, mm-hmm. but it probably never happened. Not between those two teams. They're never nope. going to yeah. help out each other. Nope. Yeah, no. All right. And by the way, everybody, if you haven't done it already, make sure you appease the YouTube gods and like, share, and subscribe. Ring that bell so that way you get all the notifications. We are actually going to do it's the uh, second week of the month, so we're going to do some power rankings. And I missed it. <laughs> All right, so we've already gone through Phil's power rankings, Anthony's power rankings. Unfortunately, now it's my turn. And ah, you know what, guys? I had a hell of a time trying to choose the power rankings because while we're all going to agree on number one, and I'm pretty sure everyone in the comments would agree on number one, it's a no-brainer. You know, trying to figure out four and five, I th- I think are, are, are really tough. And Phil came in with a with a big curveball that was a, or a knuckle puck, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. when you see his 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 power rankings. So I'm gonna go ahead and check mine off real quick, guys. Uh, my, at number five, I have the Washington Capitals. Over the last month, they have been phenomenal. Uh, they have I have it right here. A plus 20 goal differential since December 14th. That is incredible. They have a, a, three, a 3.83 goals against average. Sorry, goals for and a 2.17 goals against average. They are putting the puck in the net and they're keeping it out of theirs. That's the way you win in the NHL. And that's the understatement of the year. You know what? At number four, I went with the Seattle Kraken. Like this team is just speaking about goal differential, plus 16. They are over four goals a game over the last month and just under three. So, yeah, they could sure it up in net. Sure, certainly, Grubauer and um, Martin Jones need to be a little bit better, but they've done really well. How about the team that had a nine-game winning streak or a longer a winning streak than that last month, the Carolina Hurricanes? I have them. Uh, they had nine wins last month. Uh, they were tied for the third most among all the teams in the NHL over that span from December 14th to now. Uh, then at number two, just the eye test. I know they're not uh, – the, some of the numbers aren't that great, but the Dallas Stars have looked amazing. Uh, 2.92 goals for per game and uh, 2.25 goals against per game over the last month. And number one, it's easy to say it. It's the Boston Bruins. They were unbeaten last month in regulation. So – and whether it's indoors or outdoors, this team just keeps on winning, and we keep waiting for the bubble to burst. I'm going to go back to you guys to see your, your thoughts on these, and also I'm going to share yours in a second. So um, I went with Boston at number one. The curveball for everybody that, that Mark is really talking about is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, in their last 20 games, they're actually 14 and six, which is since since December 1st. Their last, it, they played on December 1st. Their last game was their 20th game was last night. Um, they're 14 and six in that time, and they've beaten some good teams. Um, they only had like a couple of bad stinkers in there. 
Uh, I mean, you really just one that I think or two that I think about. They lost seven four to Detroit on December twenty mm-hmm. first, and then they had the five one loss to Minnesota on the fourth. But Brian Elliott was playing in net for both of those losses. Both of those losses. They've only lost two games. With, um, I'm sorry, uh, they only lost four games with Vasilevsky in net in that time period. So uh, that's that's really, really good. But they're starting to come around, and they're starting to show signs of being that real dangerous team again. And that's why I, I put them at number two. And then, um, you know, at number three, I, I went with um, – what did I put with that three? I, I think – oh, it was uh, Dallas. I got it right here. Dallas. So I put Dallas at three. And then I, I just – I love what they're doing. Um, you know, they're, they're managing to win games without roping hints which is actually really good. Uh, you're getting production up and down the lineup. Jason Robertson, even though he's cooled down a, a little bit from earlier on in the year, they're still winning games. They're still winning games. And uh, Jake Ottinger just looks so good. So good in that. Um, not the early Norris favorite that he was in like October, November, but still really, really good numbers. He'll, he'll have him start, Norris, Vezina rather. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just caught myself saying that. Wow. The, the Vezina candidate that he was earlier on in the year. But, yeah, so you're, you're looking good with Dallas. Um, after that, then I put Vegas because Vegas is just probably the most quiet team in the league right now. Just going about their thing, just beating opponents, doing so convincingly, just getting Jack Eichel back, and Jack Eichel's playing well. I know nobody wants to hear that name because we talked about it ad nauseum for how long? <laughs> Hey, as long as there aren't, aren't trade rumors about him, I will talk no. about Jack Eichel any day. No, that, that saga is long over, obviously. But, yeah, it, I, I just – I think that you're, you're getting – Vegas is as close to a complete team in, in the league as there is. I just think that they're top to bottom. They're a really, really good team, and I think they're maybe one or two pieces away from really winning it all. Um, and then Carolina. Carolina's playing very well. They're, they're the division leader for a reason. Uh, Jersey beat them last night, but uh, still a really, really good team getting production up and down the line. And Brent Burns is starting to come on a little bit offensively, which is you know big for them. They just got Max Patch ready back. Now they have another weapon. Like this team needed another weapon. Marty Natchez is making the Rangers absolutely regret passing on him. Uh, that that's that goes with his army knife. Yeah. And he, he's he's just playing at another level right now. He, obviously, you have your Sebastian Ajos and Andrei Svechnikovs, and you know, Seth Jarvis looks like he's taking another step in the right direction. But Carolina's a well-oiled machine, too. And you know now you have Kachetkov in net, even though he was not good against the Rangers. <laughs> uh, he's still been really good for Carolina all year. So Carolina's my five. Anthony, you're five. Well, and number one – I have I have Sean I have the Chicago Blackhawks because Sean Lafferty is going to bring the Blackhawks uh, to the Stanley Cup playoffs. Sam Lafferty. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and what I say, Sean, Sean Lafferty. Lafferty. Oh, that's a mark there, right there. That's a mark. Oh yeah. Just make up their he's, first name. He's going to bring he's going to bring the Blackhawks to the playoffs. So I have the Blackhawks at number one. Um, number two, I have the Coyotes because I think Nick Bjudstad is is just an unbelievable player. Um, he might win the Art Ross. He finally um, found home. No, um, I'm not going to go through mine. The only thing I'm going to say is 
no love for the Maple Leafs boys. I mean, they're tied for second for the best team in the league. Um, you know, I, I got think they were I hotter last Leafs. month. My my take on them because I went, I wanted to put the Maple Leafs in there, but the thing about them, you look at their numbers, they they were just a little bit. They, they really weren't like outstanding in any way. I think well, they were about like twenty second in the league as as far as wins went last month. I think well, it was seven five and one. If I know you. You know, you ignoramus, this is the power rankings. Right now, they're still tied for the second best team in the league. So um, <laughs> you got you to gotta include and They need to play better and get back in the top five. I think, I think you got to include them. Um, and this is coming from a man who doesn't, who has no love loss with the Maple Leafs for millions of reasons. Um, but yes. I'm going to give them their due. Um, the only thing I'll say is, I mean, we've seen this story before. Um, come the playoffs. I, I think once again they're gonna they're gonna fizzle out and heads are gonna roll in Toronto or maybe they won't roll because it seems like there's no accountability for losing in the first round. Um, no, but that's the only thing I want to mention because uh, a lot of a lot of stuff will be regurgit- regurgitated. Um, and I guess yeah. well the second thing will add I have the Hurricanes in there too, but it's interesting to point this out. Um, it wasn't maybe a week ago or the, or, or the week before that when we did our show talking about goaltending. You know, Kachekov was second in the league at save percentage of time with like 9.28, 9.29. Um, the guys fall into a 9.14 save percentage. So the Hurricanes are, are still a, a top team, but um, I think they need him to to be a little more consistent because the up and down of, you know, from going from that number to 9.14, um, you know, isn't going to help them, you know, come playoff time or, or even still playing at the level they're playing at right now. I mean, hell, Antti Ranta had like back-to-back shutouts last week or a week and a half ago. So um, he's been carrying the load. But um, overall, still a really, really good team. And as Phil mentioned, they got Max Pacci already back. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, they're scary good. Yeah, and um, you know what? They're, this is so fluid with how things are going. Like, I, I mean, I think Seattle even beat the Toronto last uh, – was it last week or the week before – and they beat them over this last month. I remember that. Yeah, but, they did last week. Seattle beat them five one. Right, and, and you know what? You're gonna get that's that's the thing about power rankings because they're so fluid. You just keep them going, and you know things will change. Eventually, the Boston Bruins will slide out of the number one spot. I have no idea when the hell that's happening though. The, the, that team just keeps rolling. I mean, now you lost Jake DeBrusque, and it still looks like they're rolling. So, and David Pasternak just hit thirty goals. And we could have been talking about him this week. I chose a different topic for the uh, the Atlantic Division. So uh, let's, say, let's say hi to, to Chris T. Get, getting into a good old fashioned brouhaha with uh, <laughs> on, on, on Facebook, mix, mixing it up, yeah. so showing some showing some passion. <laughs> All right. Well, guys. So that is our power rankings for this week. And uh, keep sharing your thoughts down below. We're, we've got two more segments that we're going to do today, so we're, let's get into some bar talk. Shot. This is the easiest cyber to answer. Let me say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. All right. So, everybody, welcome back to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we are gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're buying everybody around? So, so, I'll just take a beer. Oh, my God. Just, just give me a shot. That's, I, I, I just need a shot. All right. So, we're going to start actually with the New York Islanders on this one, because as detailed by the man down there, that San Jose Sharks 
uh, was the GM Anthony that was at the Islander game last night? No, Ke- Kevin Kerr said it was the assistant general manager, but he misspoke. He's really the the senior advisor slash pro scout. And one of those. So if you're scouting everybody, you got to be doing your due diligence. But one of those guys that could be available at the trade deadline is Timo Meyer. Twenty three goals, eighteen assists, forty one points, minus nine rating. He's an RFA year's end. He's sort of, I guess, would you guys say it's this year's Alex Debrinkit? Uh, well, Meyer is older. Uh, yeah, he's he's two years older. Um, all right. So, I mean, in, yeah. in the sense of being, they're both they're both going to be RFAs. I mean, yeah, but um, is it? But to, to to post the well, did you even pose the question yet? Here, what, what, I haven't yet, and I'll do that right now, so that right. way we can just move on. <laughs> The Islanders should acquire Timo Meyer. <laughs> All right. So when we talked about like Patrick Kane and stuff in the past, when it comes to relation in the Islanders and I say, yeah, sure. I, I, I would love to have him, but again, giving up a lot of assets for a guy, it's a UFA. It's, it's not, it's not prudent. Um, and same thing. Timo Meyer is going to cost a lot, but the reason why I say round is because he's, he's an RFA. He's, he's under team control. He's, he's 26. You know, regardless of what happens this season with the Islanders in the playoffs, he still fits in with their, you know, their core of, you know, Sorokin and Dobson and Barzell and Pellick, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you, you, yeah, you'd be giving up a lot, depleting the system. Uh, but, again, it's not for a rental. It's for someone who is likely going to be around for a long time. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go around here. Uh, you know, he is, he is going to cost a, a – you know, a decent amount. Islander fans should be prepared for that. Uh, but again, you know, his age um, and being that though he's not a rental, I think it, if Lou can swing it and you know it, it, the deal works out for both teams, I think I think it's no brainer. I mean, Timo Meyer is a guy that the Islanders is a type of player the Islanders needed for a long time. You know, a sniper um, can can make a difference. Guy scored thirty five goals this year. You know, this year he's putting up points on a bad Sharks team. So. Um, he would be a great, great fit. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if Luke could get it done, that that would be awesome. And really, the the last the last thing I'll say about it is, um, you know, Lou Lamorello. We we all referenced his age, Mark. He, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he's older. Um, you know, I don't know how much longer he's gonna you know continue doing this. He's always said as long as he feels good physically, and mentally, he'll do it forever. But um, you know, he's not getting any younger, and I think I think he wants to win, and he wants to win now. So. Uh, you know, if the Islanders are in a playoff spot or, or even like they are right now, one, two points out, um, if he can get him, uh, I think he's going to go for it. So, Phil? I'm going to say round it, it, just because that's the type of player they should acquire. And, mm-hmm. and an RFA, I just wonder, one, how they pull off the cap, and two, do they have the actual expendable assets to do it? Because I think if they if they pull this trade off, I think they're gutting every single last piece of depth that they have in their farm system. Like, goodbye Ratu, goodbye mm-hmm. Dufour, and then goodbye Bolduc or, or someone else like that. Um, maybe even you're, you're dealing, maybe even Wallstrom on top of that to, to, to make this work. So um, it, it's going to cost a, a pretty penny. For a guy like Timo Meyer, who's still relatively young and he's still under team control, so yes, they should get a player like that. But it's just a matter of whether they have the actual pieces to get a deal done. 
Uh, let's just make it a clean sweep. Uh, they should go after him. They should try to acquire him. If they're serious about trying to make the playoffs this year, they could use a guy like this. Timo Meyer would fit like a glove in the Islanders' identity. So it's – he. this guy, I've been singing his praises for the last five years. I just thought he's been a great player. Uh, and and now that he's he's really bursting out on the scene – what, what's, but I gotta agree with you. I don't know about the assets. Anthony, what was what's your... the most what's the most um, recent comparable you could come up with to a team Amara trade? I'm, I'm not going to use Jack Eichel because he was coming off an injury and and there's a, and there's other things going on there. So yeah, but you... he was also under contract too. Yeah, no. So, so that's what I'm saying. What, what's the most recent to compare a return? To I don't know if there is one, honestly, to tell you the truth. It's it's going to be difficult because the guy that's coming to my mind, uh, I whether or not it's right or wrong, Phil can immediately correct me, is uh, I'm thinking Danny Heatley going from Ottawa to San Jose. And that, that's a completely different time frame, and they were just coming back from having a salary cap imposed back then. Uh, I I don't know if that's even really comparable. Yeah. I, I don't know if there is really comparable. What, um, what about the first the first time Matt Duchesne was traded from Colorado to Ottawa? Older. Um, and Matt Duchesne was... That was 2017. 2017. Yeah. He was drafted. So he was eight years in. Timo Meyer is... I think he might be eight years in as well, actually. So Duchesne's, Duchesne's 31. And he got traded in 2017. So what is that? 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Duchesne so was traded in his age 27 season. Or 28 season, rather. No, 27 season to Ottawa. Yes. So uh, it's, so it's, it's it's hard to find comparables with that. Like I, like I was trying to use the DeBrinket one, but as you guys pointed out, he's younger. He's The Myers older, and DeBrinket's younger than him. So Christy's saying so, Duchesne was 25 in 2017. No, he wasn't. I just looked it up on Hockey Reference. All right. Yes. So it's it's hard to say what the return's going to be because also if you're holding out for a King's Ransom, if you're trying to do it the trade deadline, you might not get it. If you're trying to do it at the NHL draft – well, that that's the that's the other thing. The sharks the sharks don't have to trade Meyer. They could trade him in the offseason. They don't have to trade him at the trade deadline. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, Duchesne was 27 in it was his age 27 season in in 2018 when he got dealt to Ottawa. So, um, but I, I yeah, you're right. They don't have to trade him. Um, it can open up more suitors. Um, if they wait until the offseason, because usually when you're trading somebody at the deadline, teams that are out of the playoff picture, they're not going to make a move like that. Or a team that's, you know, a bubble team, they're going to try to do that in an offseason because they want to be able to complement that with other, you know, free agency moves to kind of replenish what they might be losing in that trade. So I I don't, I personally, I don't see them getting, getting moved uh, at the deadline unless somebody. Yeah, they, the RFA status really makes it. I think more difficult to move them. It is, and and I, I think that if a um, if you're if you're looking at moving, I I think he's he's getting moved in the off season. You're gonna have you're he's still gonna be under team control at that point. So the team that acquires him has his rights. It's not like he's just going straight to free agency and that's it. So now a less sexy name. I'm gonna stay with the San Jose Sharks is Nick Benino, who's got four goals and seven assists and 11 points, minus eight 
Two-time Stanley Cup champion. He's a UFA at the year's end. Phil, the Rangers should go get Nick Benino for their fourth line. You know what? I, I like I like the player. I, I wonder about the cap hit. The cap hit isn't terrible. 2.75, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, if you if you can retain, if you can get them to retain, it's probably going to jack up the price just a little bit. But yeah, I, I, I'm going to go round on this. I, I, I think that he would absolutely help. They need a guy like him who can kill penalties, who can win phase-offs, who has championship pedigree. He's got, he's got what, two, uh, one Stanley Cup playing with uh, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh in 2016. And then he was in the finals for Nashville the following year against Pittsburgh. So, oh. Yeah. What are you he was on that HBK Pittsburgh? line in uh, Pittsburgh, funny enough, named after heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. But, uh, <laughs> yes, so now they uh, – you know, you go and you bring in a veteran with with championship winning pedigree who who can do the things that they need him to do. Yeah, I, I think this makes a ton of sense, especially now that he's not making four million a year against the cap and only two point seven five. So, fifty percent retained, and the Rangers can make other moves and bring in some other depth. Yeah, I like this round. And by the way, there's there's another uh, forward in Ottawa that might want to come back. Uh, Core, you if you're I watching, you can as well all about that. Uh, Anthony. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'll, I can go around. I can buy it. He's going to be a UFA, so he's a rental. So there's really no harm going forward on, on the cap. Um, you know, he's a solid fourth line center with playoff experience. Um, but with that said, I mean, there, I mean, there are going to be other guys similar to Nick Benino that the that the Rangers can acquire at the trade deadline. So you also got to remember that. Um, it's not like Benino's their only option, but. With that said, I'll still go around because I think he would fit well. But um, regardless, I do think the Rangers are going to look for that type of acquisition come the trade deadline for sure. Uh, and you know what? I'm just going to go around on that as well because I think the Rangers, you guys know my opinion, Patrick Kane is not what this team needs. What they need to do is focus on their depth, get that third line and that fourth line right. And Elliot and- Freeman just said in his 32 thoughts about Patrick Kane that you know, there's a belief that maybe Kane might need to get some things cleaned up, in which case, you know, he might re-sign Chicago when, you you know, you do the whole thing again next year. So, honestly, it's coming more and more likely to me that I, I'm not sold on, on Kane going anywhere at, at the deadline. I always said it was 50-50. He may not want to go. Um, I don't even I don't even think it's a lock anymore that he's dealt. So, so yeah, I agree with you, Mark. Well, moving on, guys. The New Jersey Devils last night came back. And they beat the Carolina Hurricanes uh, five to three. They're five four and one in their last ten games. Uh, they've won three of their last four. And you got to ask this question, especially after their comeback against the Rangers as well. The New Jersey Devils have righted the ship, and I'm only going to go beer because uh, one of those losses very recently was the St. Louis game, and it just looked like the other boot was waiting to drop. Schmid did not look good. Uh, last month, I know he had a sensational game. I forgot who it was against, but th- there was, it just, they looked much better against the Rangers and the game they played last night, Jack Hughes didn't get a point. And, and Nico Heischer actually had a great game and it looked like the devils could be correcting it, but you know what? I need to see more before I think that the ship is righted. Anthony. I don't know beer. Um, you know, they, they've built them. They built themselves up such a cushion from the unbelievable, you know, 
start, I guess you could say they had after they lost the first three games of the season, they just won an absolute tear. And, you know, like that gave them a lot of uh, margin for error. So um, even despite going five, four and one, um, they're still, you know, they're still fairly comfortable in a playoff spot. So that start allowed them to basically just play 500 for a while now and, and still going to be in that mix to where, you know, they very likely may be a playoff team. I still think that, you know, there's there's a possibility they could sink further. But um, again, because of their start, I think they can afford to kind of go through these stretches. So, um, yeah, I, I still think they they need to clean up some things in their game. Uh, but at the same time, I, I also don't think they're in, you know, immense danger. I know a couple of weeks ago I posed that they, you know, they would be out of a playoff spot soon because they were really sliding. But again, they won a couple of games in a row here, there. And, you know, <laughs> so now they're just kind of leveling off. So, um, you know, I, I'll go beer. All right, Phil. Teetering between beer and shot because I, I, I don't think they've necessarily righted the ship, but I think they're okay, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'm, you know what? I'm just going to say shot. Uh, By the way, if you're listening to this on audio, you should have seen Phil's face as he was trying to figure <laughs> that out. Yeah, I, I I'm just gonna say shot. I, I I'm not convinced. The Rangers beat themselves in that game against them. They didn't. I, I don't think Jersey was all that impressive in that game. I have some people that said Igor saved them that game. I I, I disagree with that. Um, I I just think that New Jersey is not a, a very impressive team right now. There's a lot of holes in their game. They they, they like to play a, a very up tempo, in your face, high paced game. And I think that they're just not good enough defensively to cover for some of the mistakes that they make. And their goaltending is not that great either. Vitek Vanacek to me is he's the definition of a guy who goes through, you know, you know uh, valleys and, and mountains. He mm -hmm. just up and down, up and down, up and down. I don't know what you're going to get from him on a night to night basis. He looks like he's Vezina caliber one night. And then he looks like he's garbage the next. And Schmid, I, I, I don't even think Akira Schmidt is a good backup in the NFL. And uh, don't forget, Vitek Vanacek also gets hit with the injury bug. Yeah. So, uh, they're, they're, to me, they're one injury away from having an AHL caliber goalie starting for them. Starting. That's not good. So, uh, I'm not sold on that team. I, I And just honestly, it, their recent schedule, they lost two games against Boston. They they, they – all right, so this recent five and four stretch is a win against Florida. Not impressed because Florida's just bad, even though they beat Colorado. Colorado's also just bad. So uh, Boston, two losses, pretty convincing losses for, for uh, them. They beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's an up-and-down team right now. They lost to Carolina in a shootout. They beat Detroit 5-1. I'm not impressed with Detroit. They, they, they beat Winnipeg last night, but they let up five goals in that win. So not impressed. Uh, St. Louis, they beat uh, – or they lost to St. Louis, rather, 5-3. And then they beat the Rangers, obviously, again. Rangers With a bad third period, by the way. St. Yeah. Louis was dominant on them. So Yeah. And then Carolina, they, they came back on Carolina when they were getting outplayed for the majority of that game. So, you know what? Good, good for them to be able to come back and win some of those games. But uh, I'm not impressed with this team. So, no, I don't think they've righted the ship. And I, I think their schedule – they're, they're going to have some heavy lifting to do after a while. So this this recent run comes up. It's Anaheim, Los Angeles, 
San Jose, the little Western trip. And then you have Seattle after that. So you're going to have two tough games against Los Angeles and Seattle. Then you've got Pittsburgh. Then you've got Vegas, Nashville, Dallas. And then you get Vancouver and then Seattle and Minnesota. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I, I I think they're going to have another tough stretch coming up. And if they play 500 hockey, they'll still stay in their position more than likely. But I'm not sold on this being right. Well, like I said, we need to, we have another sketch that we have going coming soon. So I'm going to hit the timer after this. We still have a bunch of topics, guys. So don't worry, stay I'm with us have to on get this. Going like a little bit. Sorry. Yeah, that's why we got to run. So Max Pacioretty has three goals in three games for the Carolina Hurricanes. Max Pacioretty is the missing piece for the Carolina Hurricanes. Filk. Uh, I'm going to say shot. And the reason why I say that is because they don't need another forward. It's it's not the forward that they're missing. It's not a goal scorer that they're missing. They're missing, I, I would say, another legitimate top four defenseman, a guy you can really lock minutes and shut forwards down, and, and a playoff-proven goaltender. So I, 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 would, I would rather, if I'm Carolina, I'd rather go get a defenseman and then maybe, I mean, I know Kuchetkov is the guy there and, you know, you have Anderson, but I, I don't trust Anderson in the playoffs. He hasn't gotten it done. Mm-hmm. So it's a playoff proven goaltender that can get the job done and, and another defenseman. Uh, uh, Patrick helps, of course, by all means, but nah. Anthony. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's the, the missing piece, um, but, I mean, he's still Max Pacioretty. You just added to your lineup. Um and you know he's 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 a good goal scorer. Uh, he's certainly he's certainly going to help him. He's certainly going to make him more dangerous offensively. Um, but again, is he the, the missing piece? Like, is he going to ultimately win him a cup? I mean that. I mean that. I don't know. Um, but so I'm not going to answer your silly ass question, Mark. But uh, I'm just going to say that he, uh. he he helps the team. He helps the team for sure. All right. So uh, I'm actually going to go shot as well. I think that. Kochekov is going to have to learn how to play a full season. And I also think that, uh, you know, you're right, Phil, you convinced me they need to add more of their defense. Moving on, guys. One of the hottest teams in the Central Division is the National Predators. They've won four in a row. National Predators are going to make the playoffs. Anthony. Um, you know, Mark, sometimes I just like I just like giving you a hard time, so – National Predators are going to make the playoffs. What could it, why, why isn't the St. Louis Blues a question again, which you posed in the past? The Blues are actually tied for the last playoff spot right now in the West, and you're talking about the National Predators. National um, Predators have three games in hand. Yeah, well, you know what, Mark? I just choose to ignore that right now. The Blues are tied for the last playoff spot in the Western Conference. And, you know, I just, I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm just calling it like it is. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, in all this will be great when it has to go on Instagram and TikTok. In, in in all seriousness, I know like a week ago the the Predators were kind of down there, and you're thinking, you know, maybe maybe it's a lost cause. But you know, UC Saros, you know, saving what was it over a hundred shots in two games. Uh, you know, they're 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 playing well. He he's on a little bit of a hot streak, obviously. Um, and now they're only one point out of a playoff spot. So. Listen, the West, the West is still going to be a dogfight here. You know, the Oilers, the, the Flames, the Blues, the Predators, um, you know, even the Avalanche. The Avalanche are two points behind right now. So, uh, I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to say I'm going to say shot because I think Colorado 
is too good to miss the playoffs. They're going to get healthier. Um, and I just think they're good. They're a better team than Nashville. They're a better team than St. Louis. I just think there's too many, there's too many other teams. Nashville is going to have to really pull away from. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go shot. All right. And Phil. I'm going to say shot. I, I, I love Nashville's defense and I, and I, I love their, um, I, I love their goaltending. I think Soros and Lankin is one of the better pairings in the league, one of the better goaltending fans. But they just, to me, they just don't have the offense that's going to put them over the top. Um, I mean, Philip, their their number one scorer is Philip Forsberg at 36 points in 39 games. And then your number two scorer is Roman Yossi with 32 in 39 games after a year in which he had 96 points. in the first 90-point defenseman since Ray Bork in 1994. Which is just insane to think about, but um, I, I it, it just the rest of the, the supporting cast. Matthew Shane, we we're talking about him before, thirty points in thirty eight games. Michael Granlund, twenty five points in thirty nine games. Nino Niederreiter, what happened to you? Twenty two yeah. points in thirty nine games. Ryan Johansson, twenty points in thirty nine games. They are not getting it done with this, this offense, which was supposed to be a, a pretty good top six. And the worst part about it is you just let Ellie Tovanen go to Seattle. And I know he wasn't doing anything for them, but now all of a sudden he's playing well in Seattle. Now it looks even more stupid when they're star for offense. So uh, Nashville, maybe they should go try to get Timo Meyer because they, they need him more than anything if they want to try to make the playoffs. So – um, oh, you guys, you, you guys took all the words out of my mouth. So I'm just going to go with beer on this one. And I have a little bit more faith in them because they're going to play a lot more defensively than of other other teams would. But you know something? that That's going to be a tough spot because you got Edmonton, St. Louis, who's playing better without O'Reilly and Tarasenko. And uh, that now Cairo uh, and Thomas have found their games since Anthony wanted to bring up St. Louis. Then you have Calgary, like I said before, Calgary, we all expected was going to be big things. And then Edmonton, there's a couple of really good players on Edmonton. They don't have anybody in the net, but still. But guys, I got to go to the Pacific and a team that's won six in a row. And yes, we've been talking about them all night, all day. It's the Seattle Kraken who have won six in a row. The Seattle Kraken are going to win a playoff series this year. Mr. John Falkowski answered that one for me. I'm going to say beer. Um, I, I, I like what's going on in Seattle right now. You, Matty Beneers is not too far off of a, of a point per game. Like, you, you never would have thought that this early. He's got 34 points in 40 games in his what's really his, his first full year in his rookie year. So um, I, I didn't think he would have this type of impact this soon. But, wow, just – He's just been really good. Um, their defensive unit is like playing to the sum of their parts. And that's the best way that I, I can describe this. Like you're, you're, you, you don't have a lot of big, great names. Like Vince Dunn's their top point scorer, 29 points in 40 games. He's on pace for, for over 50 points. Jared McCann has 19 goals in 37 games already. I think he had what, like 20 last year, mm. something like that. I mean, Andre Burakovsky is having a career year. Jordan Eberle has got 34 points in 40 games. I mean, these guys are just playing well, and they're playing honest, hardworking two-way hockey, and they're a pain in the ass because 
they just come at you and come at you and come at you and come at you. And the, the scary part is, is they're winning despite not getting great goaltending from Jones or Grubauer. They're really not. Like, if you look at the numbers, they're really bad. 278 goals against for uh, Martin Jones. And then an 894 save percentage. Grubauer, 885 save percentage. And 349 goals against. Like, how are they doing this? How are they doing this with goaltending that bad? It just shows you how strong the team is playing. Anthony. Uh, beer. Um, you know, right now they're third in the Pacific, so which means they would get the 2-3 matchup and play L.A. Um, and I certainly think they could beat L.A. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're only separated between two points, so they're more than capable of beating L.A., so that's why I'm going beer. I mean, if they drop to like a wild card spot uh, and they drew Dallas uh, or Vegas, I, I might change that to shot. But if they stay either second or third and, and play L.A. Uh, in the first round, I, I think it's anyone's series. So uh, beer. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go beer as well. I wanted to go shot. Uh, sorry, I wanted to go round. I mean, uh, but I just I think it's you guys hit the nail on the head. They're a better matchup against the L.A. Kings and they'll probably end up taking them in the distance of seven games. Uh, I'm not a big believer in Dave Haxtell, but he's starting to certainly make me go, you know what? Yeah, maybe maybe he did learn a little bit from his hiatus after uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. But this is, um, you know, they're looking like a much better team right now. So we're going to move on to this one that Anthony asked us yesterday. Linus Allmark, who leads the NHL in save percentage and goals against average tied for third in shutouts. Linus Allmark is going to be a unanimous Vesna Trophy winner. Anthony. I mean, halfway part after halfway mark, um, there's still a lot of a lot of time, but um, I mean the Bruins are just so good and so good defensively. You know, I don't see that changing enough to where, you know, he starts getting left unprotected and, and get lit up. So I'll go round. Um, but with that said, I mean, he, he's never been this goaltender before. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, he, he's good, but he's never played at this level before. He's just playing for a really good Bruins team. Um, you know, just how, like, you know, Kreider scored, you know, whatever he's, what, 50? 53. goals like last year. I think any, anyone can see, like, you know, he's not going to be that player going forward. Same way about this. I don't feel Linus Olmark is going to be this player going forward. And, you know, if I had a crystal ball, I would say next season he's not going to be leading the league in, you know, every pretty much statistical category. Um, but, again, for the time being and the here and now, I I, I, I have to say round. Phil. This continues the way that it, it is because it's so early in the season that, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to say round at that point because it's just – when you lead in in goals against and save percentage, and you're putting up numbers when, that look like you're playing EA Sports NHL, then yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen. It looks like he's playing on a team that, you know, is playing on easy mode and is slaughtering teams like fourteen to like two, and they're getting maybe like twenty shots on net per game. So yeah. <laughs> I, he's got to be he's got to be the unanimous winner if this continues. Yeah, you know what? If especially that there aren't guys that are really close to him, that's that's why I think he would end up being unanimous. Because, but then again, there were people that didn't vote for Igor Sturkin last year and didn't Which give him a first place. Crazy, vote. but 
which was crazy. Yeah, because his numbers were ungodly on a team that gave up a, a lot of shots. Um, so that's why I'm actually going to go beer on this because I just think it's it's just not necessarily something that some writer some writer is going to want to do something to to make a name for himself or to vote for his own guy. And the last the last one for you guys for t- today is. Adam Fantilli of Michigan, 11 goals, 15 assists, 26 points in 16 games. He left for the World Juniors, as pointed out by our partner, John Fokowski, right there. Two goals, three assists in seven games for the IAHF World Juniors. Adam Fantilli should be drafted second overall. Phil, that's your beat. Uh, yeah, this is – can I get the layup gift, please? Yes. I got the easy button right there. The easy button, okay. Yeah, easy button because that's that's what this is. Listen, people try to take too much stock sometimes into World Junior performances. And Fantilli's World Junior performance, he did not have a great start. I'm not worried about him. He just absolutely dominated at the, the college level. And, and, and it's a transition because the college and the junior games are different. It, it, you're playing against different skill levels, uh, different physical maturity levels. You know, guys are, you know, a little older sometimes in college because you don't just get the typical, you know, 17 to 19 or 20-year-olds. You know, you'll, you'll get like a 20, 21, maybe a 22-year-old in the NCAA. You get those guys sprinkled in there. Um, the game is also a little more free-flowing in junior. So I'm not worried about Adam Fantilli at all. Um, you look at Eric Johnson and what happened with him in 2006 and how he skyrocketed up the rankings, number one overall. Phil Kessel dropped after being almost a consensus number one for a year and a half before that tournament. And you, you'd see the tale of two different clubs that made two terrible decisions. St. Louis drafted a guy that ended up not being that good, number one overall. And Kessel went to the Boston Bruins and he ended up having a great career after he was traded away to Toronto and then again to, to Pittsburgh. So yeah, I'm Fantilli's not moving from two. Yeah. And I, I think he's, I, I originally worded this, that he's Jack Eichel 2015, but you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to say beer only because just in case if somebody wants to reach for Matt Van Mitchkov, uh, it's, Probably not going to be likely. Centers are always bigger and and or more important. And I think also, the Russian factor is going to come into play too with that. Yeah, and the Russian factor, and also that it's going to he's going to be a few years away. Anthony, um, you know, round uh, obviously Connor Bedard's the prize. Uh, everyone is hoping, um, you know, whoever selects first overall is clearly taking him. But whoever gets second, I mean, they're not they're not walking away with nothing. Uh, I think Fantelli is going to be a really good player. Um, and he can be a cornerstone for whatever team gets him. So, Absolutely. round. So, by the way, should I already say that it's the Arizona Coyotes that's getting him? Because they're not winning a lottery. They never do. <laughs> so, a matter of fact, they might even finish third. So, uh, that's the one time Arizona – and the, the funny part is Arizona's trying to play himself out of the lottery right now. All right, Everybody, thank you very much for joining us on the Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Don't forget, once again, to like, share, and subscribe for us. Uh, There it is right there on the bottom corner. Yeah, I'm going to have to bounce out, so I will see you all later. No problem. We'll have to have you do your honest press conferences. Connor Bedard, another day. All right, thanks. (laughs) See you later, Phil.
Later, All right, take it easy, Felk. All right. And by the way, as I said before, we are doing some honest press conferences today. And let's get that intro in right now. Connor, just can you give me your sense of kind of where, where the group is at? Once again, my teammates come up short. By the way, welcome back. We haven't done any of these in a while, so it'll be a delight for me and Anthony to do our two today. So welcome back to Honest Press Conferences, where we are going to say what the players really want to say, not just the media training that they've had for years. So we're going to start right now with the Islanders all-star snub, Ilya Sorokin. Uh, yes, uh Thank you for, for having me on, uh, Mark. Um, uh, yeah, my English has gotten a lot better. Uh, I actually speak uh, better English than you. Um, you know, when, when you met me at that signing, uh, I thought you uh, not talk enough and uh, did not talk to me. And uh, I, I did not like. And uh, I think uh, you are uh, overrated. But I will, uh, I will take some questions. All right. Um, Ilya, what do you think about the fact that uh, you were top five in a lot of major goalie statistics for the NHL, and yet you were not going to the All-Star game? Uh, I, uh, I don't uh, really care. Um, you know, I good friends with uh, Igor, uh, and it's, which everyone knows. Um, you know, he uh, invited me to uh, home for, for Christmas, and uh, I really uh, appreciate that. So I know last year uh, he, uh, what you call here uh, in America as a, a snubbed last year. So um, I, I told him, I told League that uh, I, I don't want to play an all-star game, which uh, in turn... Um, you know, made them have to select uh, Igor for a game because uh, there's no other good goalie in Metropolitan Division other than us. So uh, I did him favor by telling League uh, I do not go. Um, so he's in. Uh, so I I don't I don't care. I know that I I best goalie in uh, world. Uh, uh, you know, last year I uh, second in, in save percentage, and this year I am second as well. Uh, Linus Olmark uh, hold no 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 candle to me, um, but yes. So I I don't care about not playing an all star game. All right, well it's good to know, and uh, I I just I had a little bit of nerves meeting at Ilya. That's all it was. I, it was definitely nothing personal. I would have gladly talked more. You, uh, you, you bring me on here and only, and only ask one question. I mean, I feel you waste my time. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't, I don't do this if, uh, you know, I, well, I could be doing. Uh, all right. Well, here, here, here. Oh, let me ask you this one. Who is the better goalie between you and Igor? I mean. Don't don't ask such ridiculous question. Uh, you know, you know, I I I I love Igor and we have great relationship. Uh, but you know, he he uh, he had more time uh, in NHL than me, and time in AHL, and uh, came before COVID, and 
it's it's so you know I come over less time, no practice, uh, and still uh, how do you call um, uh, own the league? Uh, you know, so uh, I I flexible like Gumby, uh, Igor more more positional, uh, kind of kind of like statuesque, uh, a little a little slow from post to post like grandma but uh, you know I, I i joke i joke i kid i kid i, I just i love i love <laughs> igor um but uh you know i think i think uh myself um uh a little a little a little better but uh you know it's he he, well, he good friend well well Ilya, you've been doing a great job with the new york islanders i mean after all almost 10 percent of your games have been shut out so uh, just uh, keep going, and uh, I hope you, you you and Igor can be friends if you if you meet in the playoffs. Did did you freeze on me right there? I think Anthony might have froze for a second. Hold on. Oh boy, <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to do my mine in a moment. Uh huh. I uh, he's definitely frozen, everybody. So this is great. It's always great to great to have dead air. That's it's the the hallmark of of uh of all good TV. And there he goes. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, hopefully I get Anthony back in just a moment because ah, there he is. There he there he is. Should see the pose that you were in for the for the frozen picture for a minute, Anthony. Yeah. By the way, I must say, very good commitment to the accent and the role that you were having right there. So, <laughs> yeah, no, no, seriously, I was a little bit nervous talking to talking to Ilya. So, uh, I mean, I was just trying to be professional. That <laughs> yeah, you didn't. I don't think you. I don't think you really said anything to him. No, I, I just. I, I, well, Romanov was definitely the talker out of the two of them, and I was just. And you, you were, you were talking more. So, all yeah. right, Anthony, we had another uh, press conference that we had to attend and it's for the New York Rangers and Alexei Lafreniere. All right. So everybody, you know, you've been hearing a lot about me, you know, first overall pick and the Ranger fans uh, that you, you, they've been coming at me from every angle from Twitter to hell. I think he hit me on Pinterest, but you know, I know about the turnover the other night, but I did also collide with a guy. So it, it, what else was I going to be able to do? Would have been nice if Philip could have gotten up on his ass and gotten towards Damon Severson, you know, fastest skater in the New Jersey Devils. But you know something? Uh, I, I'm trying to do everything Jerry's been telling me to do that I can't help but just look at him now and say, hello, Jerry with both the shifts I get. So uh, it would be nice if I could actually play a little bit more than 10 minutes a game. But, you know, that's what you should always do with a first-round pick. Take take him, throw him on a third line, make him a checking winger, and, uh, you know, hopefully you'll uh, end up having 100 points magically out of nowhere with no power play time and no other time besides sitting for long stretches. Well, Chris Kreider is going to be out on Thursday. You know, maybe maybe uh, GG puts me on power play one because 
or or maybe even on the top line or the top line with Mika Zibanejad. I see that there's a hole right there. But knowing him, Jimmy Vesey is probably going to get moved up there because he's the coach's favorite because that's all Jimmy Vesey always is. Little kiss ass. Where was he in 2018? Oh, that's right. And moved him out. Shipped him over to Buffalo. So, come on. Uh, I'm the future. I'm the guy that's going to be doing things for the New York Rangers. Now I'm I'm ready to take some questions. You know, Alexis, um, uh, so, how? What are these? What are these names uh, mean to you, or, or have in common? Brian Lawton, Alexander Daig, Patrick Stefan, Nail Yakupov. Um, I, I, I think you're you're trending on falling into that category. Uh, you know, Alexis. Um, just just to point things out here, um, Dawson Mercer only has three less points than you do in his career. He has sixty-seven. You have seventy. You've played in 53 more games than Dawson Mercer. He was selected mid-first round. You were the first overall pick. Um, you know, how do you, how do you how do you well, first of all how do you how do you respond to that or answer that question? Um, uh, or the fact that a guy, a 38-year-old Zach Parise, has more points than you. Um, I think I think you need to start owning it a little bit more rather than putting on your coaches a nice time and and start to and start to realize that. You might be a Nail Yakupov. You might be a bust. Oh, uh, I, I don't think anybody's a Nail Yakupov. Uh, there's Nail is in a whole other, uh, a whole other uh, category by himself, eh? So it's just like one of those things that I just can't help but say I don't want to be with them. I don't want to be with Brian Lawton. I don't want to be with uh, with Patrick Stefan. But on the other hand, you know what? If I do everything that I can to to progress uh they'll just look over and go oh that's very nice we're gonna go with Vinny uh for that shift or go with so there's always some other opportunity someone else is getting i'm three years in either either start doing something or start investing time in me or just don't that's just my take on it but you know you know first uh, dq <laughs> dq is always right there <laughs> You know, uh, uh, not exactly a bust yet. Not exactly a bust yet. But you know something, you need to. Uh, this is this is this is terrible because now Mark is putting on a French Canadian accent, and he doesn't even he didn't even realize he was doing it. But this is the um. This, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not a bust just yet, and I will show everybody what my work ethic is. And uh, you know something, when the New York Rangers decide to move me out for some 30-year-old veteran. I will make sure that they know they made a mistake in getting rid of me very quickly. Hey, um, Alexis, I, I have another question for you. Um, uh, and see your response here. How does it feel to know that Oliver Ekman Larson has more points than you? Um, and also, here's a question for you. Do you know who J.J. Moser is, by the way? You know who he is? Uh, I, isn't he the running back on the Miami Dolphins? J.J. Moser is a defenseman on the Arizona Coyotes, and he has 18 points. You have 19 points. Um, well, I guarantee I you that he's, he's got much more than 12 minutes of ice time. Every time I get on the ice, Jared <laughs> just looks at me and says, Alexei, get the hell off the ice. I, I, you oh, know, I just – Shut up. <laughs> I'm just – 
I'm just calling it like it is, Alexis. Uh, so, you know, I, no, I think. it's okay. It's okay. If I was on the Arizona Coyotes, too, I'd probably have a lot more points. Because, after all, I'd be able to play a little bit. Yeah. I mean, and you, you, you look at you look at uh, Capo's eyes every now and again. He looks like every time he goes back to the bench, he's going to get a slap from one of the coaches. So, uh, it's, it's, it's just one of those things. I'm trying to hold it together. I'm trying to, to work as hard as I can in practice. But uh this is uh it is it's, it's i don't know if this marriage is going to end well hopefully somebody can uh help help me get the hell out of this position david uh david says uh alexis i think i think you will uh you will love chicago i don't know about that uh the uh the pizza <laughs> ain't as good I always, i'll say that <laughs> all right well let me turn it back over. Thank you very much. Uh, bon revoir. <laughs> I actually forgot how to say goodbye in French for a second. And <laughs> all right, everybody, that was some of our honest press conferences. We were hoping to have Phil as Connor Bedard, but don't worry. We've got six more months of that. So, uh, Anthony, why don't we take some comments and some questions? Uh, first up, by the way, uh, <laughs> An Islander fan criticizing young talent is ironic. See, but. yeah, you know, you know, it's you know, it's you know, it's funny about that is there there are Ranger fans, um, certain Ranger fans that that like this one, Chris they, T. They, they get they get sensitive. They they get sensitive over about it because they have they have fear and or in a pit in their stomach. They know that Lafreniere is busting, and so when someone criticizes them, they get they get all. They get all well, bent out of shape like JT well, here's the thing. And, just, I, and just me right now. No, hold on. Because they say oh, I, oh, I fan criticizing. I, I'm as I'm as straight down the middle as it comes. Like Oliver Wallstrom. There are Islander fans who talk about Oliver Wallstrom like he's, you know, uh, like he's gonna be David Pasternak. Like, yeah, he has he has an elite shot and release. Um, or that he's a boss, but, by the way. They'll mention that but too. I can I can admit that just because he has he has that elite shot and release. I from watching him, yeah. I, I well, I think he'll be a twenty goal guy. Yeah, I think he'll be a twenty goal guy. But he's not going to be a guy that scores fifty goals like some Islander fans um, will will think he could be. And and I could and I can admit that. So these two saying that me criticizing younger Ranger talent, it's just it's just the truth. Alexis Alexis Lafreniere has has nineteen points this year. He's in his three years in the league. He's failed to put up points, and that's just like calling it like it is. So if if you want to get kind of like butt hurt that I'm criticizing Alexis Lafreniere <laughs> for calling it for calling it like it is, then yeah, sure you could. Well, I mean, obviously they're just and, they're just broke, they're just focused on fun with that. And I'm not and I'm not alone. There are plenty of Ranger fans on here. Um, you know, Christy in particular, and uh, Sean, and other people know that Laf David um, he. He's not he's not pulling his weight. He's not he's not putting up points. And you know, it's it's uh it's an issue. It's it's an issue, and you can you know stick your head in the sand and, and you can run from it. Um, but it's 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 concerning. And if if you don't if you don't think it's concerning, <laughs> again, then you're then you're just not you're not facing it. Well, first off, just one thing about Wallstrom, I think the jury's still out on him either way. Because uh, you can't be a fifty goal scorer unless you're a twenty goal scorer. Well, you yeah, yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't learn by just watching. That's mm -hmm. that's never going to just happen. 
And it's one of those things that I can't help but point out, especially with, um, with especially with Lafreniere. Look, the Rangers got decisions that they have to make. And I actually started a blog post about this for uh, BigAppleHockeyPodcast.com. You can always check out some of the articles that we have up over there. I usually get to do like one a month, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but it's with Heedle coming up, his contract, with Lafreniere's contract coming up, and Keandre Miller's contract coming up. Keandre Miller is the one you have to keep at all costs. Sorry for about spoiling that one yeah. for this one. But you, they got decisions they got to make on Philip Heedle in for uh, – for Alexei Lafreniere, because if Heedle's going to start commanding $4 million, they're not really going to do much. Yeah. And if Lafreniere, we had this discussion, if you remember, Anthony, when it was just the two of us doing the Wednesday afternoon shows for a while, when it was um, uh, the summer and Stutzla signs the deal, and a lot of fans say, well, what's going to happen with Lafreniere last year? Uh, one thing I said is, to remember to get an offer sheet, the player has to want to sign the offer sheet. After that scratch, they gave him every reason to sign the offer sheet. Yeah. And you, you could say, oh, well, what are you supposed to do? Just let him have no accountability? No. But are the Rangers – supposedly what they're doing is they are giving him video feedback and doing everything. Yeah, Miller is a cornerstone. But for, for, for fans to say this isn't Hugh Jessamyn, who the Rangers reached for and it was a mistake – or Dylan McElrath, or maybe Bobby Sanguinetti. This is a first overall pick that was a consensus, and I keep going back to this point over and over again. Every scout in the NHL had this wrong, and then uh, and then uh, Quinton Byfield right after that, every scout in the NHL has it wrong. Sometimes players are blocked. Sometimes it slows the development. Sometimes injuries do that. But but here but here, here's the thing, and I get I I do believe me, I do understand what what JT is saying here. But this is this is the thing. First overall picks are are supposed to be someone with just oodles of of skill. It just oozes from them. And yeah, okay. So let's say he even plays third line minutes. If he was as talented as he is, he would have forced his way to get more minutes by just dominating when he's out there. Like the thing about yeah. Lafren, the thing about Lafreniere is his skating is a weakness. He's not he's not explosive. He's not because of his skating, similar to John Tavares, when John Tavares came in the league, his skating held him back. And when you're not like, for instance, Tim Stutzla in Ottawa, because you know, he liked to be compared. Yeah, I, well, I can guarantee you. Be I can guarantee you, if, if Tim Stutzla had the same exact minutes as as Lafreniere or, or played third line, whatever you want to said, he still would have put up points because he's such a good skater that he can create offense on his own and he could force Ottawa. To give him more ice time, literally force the coach. Oh wow, he's he's giving me no choice. I I have to give him you know power play time, and I have to move him up. When you watch Lafreniere, Lafreniere doesn't have that elite skating. He's not he 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 doesn't go out there and he doesn't he doesn't wow. Yeah, he's got he's got good hands, and there are times where you've seen him pull something off, and you and you can see wow, you know he's he's got some he's got some talent, but it's not it's not consistent enough. He's not and he's not wowing anybody. And that's and that's I think you're right about that. I do think that there are two camps now, a slowly a third one, that that's that's right there with this. One is saying 
he's not he doesn't have the talent or he's not working on getting better and improving which would be very much a bad thing i didn't think that was going to be happening with him however and i'm jt's in my camp with this if loft was gretzky come on ain't moving Kreider and pretty Aaron for him now Kreider's going to be out thursday they already announced that yeah uh, upper body injury uh which you hope is not going to be a prolonged thing now there's opportunity now you got to move him I'd say maybe you don't have to move him up, but give him more ice time, give him more playing time, give him something. Because right now the Rangers, what's this is what the bad part about this is. The Rangers right now have two RFAs. They have absolutely no idea what their talent level is or what their usage level is. Like is Philip the guy from the playoffs or is Philip the um, just, an adequate third line center because in that's the case you can't pay him four million dollars you can't pay him four million you have to move on and go get another one is lafreniere a first overall pick that's going to be a cornerstone of your franchise if not move on from him try to see if you can get like a nils lundquist type of uh deal i mean and by the way david you're right about this but he sure has always been very good defensively and Nico and Hichier, to, that, to that point, Nico Hishier in his first year had a 52-point season. And then in his second year, he followed it up with a 47-point season. So Lafreniere hasn't even come hasn't come close to putting up those numbers. So I mean But his defenders, like myself, will also tell you he has the most even strength, is the second most even strength goals on the New York Rangers behind Chris Kreider. That's it. Like for the last few years. Now, the other thing is, now that you're seeing the usage go up with Kako, you're starting to see a little bit more results. Confidence is the weirdest thing, Anthony. And you know what? It's just like, it's it's like when you have it, it'll be great. I'm not sure if he goes at the deadline. I think he yeah, goes. I don't, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think he'll go at the deadline. So he, he's got 18 points. Let's just, let's just call it and say at the end of the year, he's got 32. Um. If he has somewhere around there, I think I honestly I think I think they would consider it in the offseason mm-hmm. because and I'll tell you why. Um, you know, it's not because the art the contract that he's gonna get this this offseason, it's it's not gonna break the bank. That's that's not the issue. Um, but I think I think going forward long term when they look at their cap structure, I think that they feel maybe he may not he may not fit into what to what they have to do. Um, and then, you know, also legitimately comes into play again. Say he does end up with 32 points again, Mark. Now you're talking, okay, you just, you just finished your what third, third season, right? Um, yeah. So you just finished your third, your third season. Once again, you have an underwhelming point total, 32 points. Then it begin, then it gets to the point of, okay, well, you know, at what point do we consider trading him? while he still has some value because you know what happens, Mark, if they keep him again, say he has 32 Mm -hmm. points, they keep him. And then next year he follows it up with a, with another 30 point season at that point. Now, four years, you're, you're, it's, it's almost to the point. Okay. Well, he is a bust. And at that point, the, the trade value will sink even further. So, that's why when Arthur Staple had that article, what was it like two two weeks ago? Um, mm-hmm. and he said that the Rangers may have to make a decision on him sooner than later. I think that's what he's referring to. 
because that that hypothetical would then become a reality and then you have a problem. But again, and we're we're still in those two camps. I'm still in the camp of you're not using them. And your your camp still has valid points. There is no way to argue against that except for you got to play him, you got to try to do this, you got to try to do this. That's why Short says you that's why you got to trade him now. So well, but- I think I think it's never mind and by the way, I think this one says something. He might be the next Rick Middleton, the guy that the Rangers move on from and he ends up blowing up and you end up getting, that's why I don't want to hear about uh, Patrick Kane. Ken Hodge uh, wasn't really a great pickup to get back for Rick Middleton. And um, and it's far from, uh, I got a name that's coming out, Anthony, but uh, follow me on, on my thinking on this. Just, I'm getting disgusted just even thinking about it. But Nolan Ryan is a New York Met. Nolan Ryan, who had control problems, and the Mets end up trading him, ends up becoming one of the most dominant starting pitchers of all time, uh, all-time leading strikeout uh, winner. And so he pitches seven no-hitters. The Mets didn't have any up until uh, Johan Santana in 2011. Uh, that I have the newspaper clipping still on my wall, but it's it it if you don't use the player, then I can't I can't definitively say bust or not because now Kratzoff is starting to kind of make me question whether or not he's a bust. But then again, you look at what the Rangers have done; they've they produced one fifty goal scorer in their history. That's it. Yeah. You could argue Adam Graves in there because. Really, the Adam Graves on Edmonton wasn't the Adam Graves on the Rangers. So maybe no. two, you could say. But one, they've only drafted one that, that scored 50 goals. That's Chris Kreider. That's it. Vic Hatfield wasn't drafted by the New York Rangers. So now you have that. Now it's, then it's just like um, the, the, the next question is just what is what what is the coaching philosophy? And I understand they're in a precarious spot because – uh, and I'm going to try to sum this up real quick and get back to your thoughts, but it's, you got to win games, but you also got to develop guys. And they're, they're in a position where they could possibly compete for a Stanley cup. And hell, I have them losing in the Stanley cup finals at the beginning of the year. Talk to me in a, in a, a couple more weeks when we do our mid season show, <laughs> but it's, it's just, you know, it's, I, 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 I'm I'm stuck in limbo sometimes with him too. I don't know what to do with Loft. I don't know how to jumpstart him. I just don't think I don't think scratching him was one was one thing. So, well, I man. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't trade Loft for like Patrick Kane because a player like that because he's a rental and he's older and just trading trading Loft for someone who's 34 seems like a seems like a bad idea. Um, I think if it came to the point they were going to trade Lafreniere, you you have to you have to have the deal be for either like an, a real elite player who is under team control and younger, unlike Patrick Kane, or in a hockey trade for a similar young player who's maybe who maybe who is maybe not working out like the team, you know, the team ha- would have hoped. Um, that's yeah, that's the type that's the type of deal. Um, and so, and by the way, as, as you're saying that, Sean kind of said this right here because 
Although I'm not I'm not big on this, Anthony. You trade him for Bo Horvat. You can you can actually get that done. And then I, well, I, I mean I, I like I like the the thought process behind that, but again, Bo Horvat, the Rangers cap situation with with having to sign Heedle and Miller and just where they are in general. How are you, you just using them for the for the season? That's it. How you get you, you can't trade you can't trade Lafreniere for for a guy who probably won't the Rangers won't be able to re-sign him at eight million like he's going to command uh, next season. So and this is coming from a guy who obviously you know um, isn't really all that bullish on Lafreniere. But I think as as much as I love Bo Horvat, trading him for Horvat seems like seems like a bad idea. I mean now if you could tell me that Horvat would stay and the Rangers can afford him go you know long term, then maybe it's not as bad. You know, Bo Horvat's not that old. He's only 27. But other than that, I, I don't see him trading for for a rental. But if he goes to a team like, say, for instance, the Vancouver Canucks, then you're looking at a situation. Uh, no, I said Vancouver. Uh, trying to think of another team that I can think of that maybe they have some holes. Like, take, for instance, JT Miller. He, he didn't get it, and then eventually – he went to Florida. Uh, he went to, I mean, obviously Tampa is in Florida, but that's what I was referring to. And then they end up moving on from him too. JT Miller didn't get it until he got to Vancouver. Puts up almost 100 points last year. And, you know, then there was there was something, there was, they were onto something. And then he hasn't been as productive this year. I think Lafreniere, everybody wants to say Montreal. Look, we don't just all get to go to where we might want to. That That's not going to happen. And by the way, Montreal, if they got Bedard and then they got Lafreniere via trade, because after all, Kirby Doc, who went third in the Kako draft, went to Montreal. Uh, they don't have unlimited assets. By the way, the Rangers also don't need to trade Alexei Lafreniere to get uh, uh, Bo Horvat back because they got two first-round draft picks this year. Yeah. So. I mean, honestly, you know, you know what, realistically, I, I mean, I don't, I don't see Ottawa having any real incentive to, to do it, but, and again, the Rangers cap space might prohibit it, but like if they can get Alex to bring it for Lafreniere, um, I mean, I think, I think as a Ranger fan, you'd have to, You'd have to do that in a heartbeat, right? I mean, the the Brinkett is twenty five years old, but we he's know a, the qualifying offer is going to be ridiculous. He's a, he's a two time forty goal scorer. He's putting up points for Ottawa, um, and I mean, for a team like Ottawa who isn't going to make the playoffs this year, and Lafer and you know the Brinkett will cost a decent amount of dollars. Um, I mean that that's a trade that I I would think. The Rangers would do. I'm not sure if Ottawa would do it. Uh, well, because also Ottawa's got to figure out whether or not the uh, Brinkett's going to stay. That's another thing. He's he's going to be an RFA. He might want to move elsewhere. He might want to demand to be traded. Uh, but there's, it's it's hard to tell. Like what Christie's saying right here, uh, Lafreniere ceiling is what the Brinkett ceiling is right now. That's, but you know what. One thing I do have to agree with some people is sometimes he looks lost out there. And I do think it's because the Rangers are putting us, they're smashing a square peg into a, a, a round hole. Yeah. And I understand when you want to tell, tell a player, Hey, 
you need to take a step back. And uh, I think there was a great question that was on earlier. What would I Because here's the other thing. And and somebody asked this before. I, I Let me see if I can find that comment real quick. I have it starred. Oh, yeah, it was JT that asked it. So, by the way, JT, thank you very much again. Yeah, he just would you rather have – well, yeah. he's got this one, but he had this one too. Would you rather have two more Brennan Oppmans from the 2023 draft or or the 24 draft or Patrick Kane for a 2023 playoff run? I'm against Patrick Kane completely for the playoff run. I think he's not the player he used to be. He could be productive, but his best years – yeah, they were with Panarin. Panarin's best years were away, were away from Kane. Makes yeah, sense. I, I think. Uh, I, I. I mean, me personally. I mean, if your goal is to win the Stanley Cup and you think Patrick Kane's going to put put you over the edge, um, then maybe you choose Kane. But I think for the Rangers, I think I think we'd rather have two more Othmans than than get Patrick Kane. Um, Which is leading. I, I don't think, think I don't think Patrick Kane's a, a necessity. For, for the Rangers right now, but um, I got to I got to run two minutes. I just wanted to answer um, this question. I think Davey asked me from before. Oh, is it? Uh, I got it right I think, here. I think it's this I one. What's you your start, highest? I think you started. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is this is a this is a good question. Um, you know, I would say. Well, first, let me rephrase but you know so from nine you know from 1994 when the islanders got swept by the rangers to you know 2001 there were a lot of there were a lot of lows uh but i i mean so any time in there but you know i was young you know you're talking eight nine ten years old some of those years and obviously you don't really feel as much pain um as you do when you're adult i think it, it hurts a little bit more so um, my answer may surprise you. I think my lowest moment in my lifetime as an Islander fan wasn't the dark days or fishermen. Um, it was it was when Tavares left on July first, twenty eighteen. Uh, I I remember I remember that feeling. I think every the whole Islander fan base felt like you know well this you know this is the end and you know this is this this sucks and uh, turned out to be a little bit of a a little bit of a blessing in disguise. But at that moment. Um, you know, have our franchise player, what it seemed like, you know, string us along. You, you say all the right things, and then to be stabbed in the back the last minute that 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 one that one hurt. Um, highest, uh, so I would say making you know after those eight years of darkness that I mentioned from '94 to 2001. Uh, making the playoffs for the first time in 2001, 2002 was was a good one, and they had that series against Toronto. That was a hell um, of a series. Uh, but more than that, I would say when they won the playoff series for the first time in 23 years with Tavares's wraparound in overtime against Florida, uh, that where was they a good didn't one. cover him in front on the game yeah, tying goal. That that was a good one. Um, and then obviously the more the more recent ones. Uh, you know, Anthony Bovillier's overtime goal to send uh send it to game seven. That that one was was you know fabulous. Uh you know, and their trips, their back-to-back trips to the conference finals. So do you um, remember those, those are those are the ones that stand out? I have to laugh about this because I was sitting with a couple friends of mine that were watching that game and they were getting all disheartened and they were down two nothing. 
uh, Jordan Everly scores on a wicked backhander. Yeah, and, got them. yeah, yeah. He got them on the board, and yep. as soon as that happened, I said, "There you go, guys. There's hope." Because when Vasilevsky closes out a team, he shuts them out. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the Rangers last year is the first time in a long time he didn't shut out a team to to close out a series. Um, because the Rangers actually tied the game and then immediately, yeah, gave it up. But uh, that that Toronto series was a great series. And that was probably the Islanders' best team, I think, or their most underrated team, I should say, over the last 30 years. They, Which that team? team was the one that lost to Toronto. Oh, yeah, they were they were good. Uh, honestly, yeah, if I mean if that game seven was at home, I mean the Islanders are moving on, I think. The home team won every game that series. Uh you know, they they were they were good. They were they were uh they were a good team. Um you know that that 2014-2015 team that lost in seven games to Washington, Mark, um, in round one. That that was a good team too. The Islanders were, were really good that year. They were uh, really good, but that, I know injuries ate away at that team. That I think if they if they would have got past Washington, I think they could have gone a little further. They they that was a good team. But um, Tans- I, I, by the way, Anthony, I've said this too. I'm sorry. Uh, I still maintain this. Eleven shots. In a game set. Oh, that was a terrible effort. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... despite that, they still it was still a 1-1 game. Friends Nielsen tied the game. And then Kuznetsov, you know, I believe, has got the Kuznetsov, game winner. Yeah, the game winner. Yeah. Um, I, I, soccer teams get more than 11 shots in yeah. a game. And I, I would have just looked at Jack Capuano and went, oh, don't worry. You don't have to give the press conference. You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> because that's – I mean, that's just that's that's just egregious. I, I remember I, I was working that night. I was – we were packed at the bar. I'm running around everywhere. And eventually I looked over at my buddies because they were all out again. Fortunately, I was able to, to glance at the game with you guys, but uh, not with you guys because you weren't there. But, uh, and I just looked over and go, they had 11 shots in that game. They go, yeah, it's unbelievable. Like 11 fucking shots. <laughs> That's to answer this question. Um, you know, for the longest time, the Sean Bates, Penalty shot was like the best moment, but it, you know, since then it, it kind of got surpassed. But um, I got to. I was there for that, by the way. Yeah, and I, I got to go. I got to go the JT winner just because I mean that that clinched the series for the first time in twenty three years, and um, you know that that was you know that kind of uh, got the monkey off the back, so to speak. Um, the Bates penalty shot was was amazing, and you know I was a, I think I was a junior in, a junior in high school that that year uh i wasn't there but i heard people that were there was the loudest they ever heard the coliseum um but i think the jtot winner for my opinion at least tops tops the cake um and but you look at that decor back then yeah and and you have probably my favorite new york islander of all time not that i'm an islander fan but i always love asking that who's your favorite uh player from the other franchise and Adrian Acoin was just at the top of his game. Yeah, he was he was a workhorse. Year. You know, him and Janssen and Hammerlick and Yanni Ninemo, they they rounded out a good top four. But um see David, the, the year that Tavares left, that was the year that me and Philk were actually covered the NHL draft in Dallas for that other, you know, station that we were at. And um, you know, I, I felt differently from being around people on the draft floor and being connected to people, the consensus was that that Tavares was, was staying. Um, you know, I remember right, right before the draft around that time, Darren Dreger had reported that 
Tavares's main focus was just negotiating with with the Islanders, and it looked it looked it looked good. Again, I could tell you from what you know Arthur Staple told me on the draft floor that day, and um, he basically said that it was you know in his opinion it was basically a formality that Tavares going to the you know that five talking to teams during that window was just exactly that, and um, you know he was likely going to come back to the Islanders, so. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he was I thought he was staying from everything I was hearing, everything that he said. Um, I you know I thought he was staying, and I think uh, and I think Gar Snow, uh, I think Gar Snow trusted him too much personally. I think. Yeah, and how about this? Uh, what Chris T's saying? Yeah, that well, John Tavares even texted, yeah. "Welcome to the Islanders." Yeah, I I, I think I think. You know, my opinion, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and I know ownership, from what I understand, didn't let Snow do this. Uh, and I know he would have, you know, he would have been killed by Islander fans. But when he became eligible for an extension mark the, the summer before, July 1st of 2017, um, and he didn't sign on the dotted line, like you've seen guys like Dowdy signed right when he became eligible and other guys in the past, when he didn't, when he didn't sign – I I would have I would have at that point said okay well you know if you're not going to resign then I have to I have to look to trade you and then he and then again apparently the word is that Gar Snow wanted to trade him at the deadline of 2018 when he still wasn't signed but ownership again Tavares that's you know when you hear the thing Tavares pleaded with Snow saying not to trade him um, and he listened to him so I, I think I think he got. I think he gave him too much, too much rope. I think he let him, he let him essentially determine everything. And I get why, because it was the franchise player and he wanted to cater to him and, and, you know, to, you know, make him more likely to stay. But I think, I think it had the, the opposite, uh, opposite effect on, on the whole situation. I know looking back on it, when you're in it, you're, you're so bitter and, and, you know, you don't want to hear anything else. But now that so much time has passed, uh, I do honestly truly believe that he he did intend to stay. But I think just from talking to the Leafs with their pitch, um, I think it just was like a light switch at that point. I think it was just too much, uh, you know, the thought of being able to play from your hometown team and just they just wowed him too much and he, and he left. But I, I looking back on it, when you take the anger out, I, I, I do believe that he did intend on staying and he wasn't the liar that every Islander fan said he was. Uh, and again, just things changed once he was able to talk to the Maple Leafs. But And also, by the way, I, I've used this metaphor all the time. If my, if my wife is thinking about getting a divorce, the last thing I'm letting her do is date. So... Um, and I do think that he intended to be a New York, a New York Islander for his entire career. It's just that. And by the way, that I, I do think that situation could have an effect and a ramification on the Islanders and free agency, because then free agents will look over and go, well, what if I spurn the Islanders? But now you have the Barzell situation that settled itself. And now he's a New York Islander for a, a, another eight years on top of this. And I'm going to go to State's question for you before you start running out on me. Do you think the same thing will happen to the Leafs with Austin Matthews? I'm going to start first on this. No. 
I don't think it, I don't think it's going to happen again. I think the Tavares situation is a cautionary tale for everybody. There are certain players you ride it out to the end of their contract and then part your ways if you have I to. Mean, you you I can't don't, afford to do that. I don't know, man. If if the Leafs if the Leafs go out in the first round again, okay. Follow me. If they if they lose in the first round again this offseason and Austin Matthews hesitates and doesn't sign an extension when he becomes eligible on July 1st, you have to – opposite of that, Mark, you have to learn. You have to learn from maybe the mistake yep. the Islanders made. I think then you, you seriously consider saying to Matthews, okay, well, if you're not going to resign right now, you know – may have to look to to move you because they the Leafs can't afford for Matthews to to leave in free agency for nothing. Um and don't forget he's an American kid. He's an American kid playing in Canada. He he sees what Matthew Kachuk just did in Calgary, an American an American kid not Donnie wanting to resign, not wanting to resign in Canada and you know wanted to go play in the United States. So I mean not every individual is the same, but Matthews could feel the same way, especially if the Leafs lose again. If the Leafs lose again in the first round, it's not inconceivable that he would say that he would balk at signing an extension in July. Uh, and I think they would have to move him. I think they would have to move him. I know they won't, but I, I would think it would be prudent if they would. Uh, I am tended to agree with you on these because, you know, you got to figure out, they got to figure out what they're, this is the reason why you go with a franchise and an identity you have to craft that you can't just you can't just go all right well we're just gonna well, first off the Leafs screwed up to begin with should have signed him for longer instead of walked him right into uh, unrestricted free agency right now Matthews is 25 he signed to 2024 and he'll be 28 when that contract hits he's gonna ask for a huge deal he is absolutely mega buck deal and you know what there are teams that are going to line up to go get them. I mean, yeah. certainly you're going to have the teams that can't afford them, like the Ottawa Senators, but, I mean, I'm not even sure the Toronto Maple Leafs could afford them by that. And you know something? You have to then reload. You have to restock the cupboard because the Toronto Maple Leafs are bone dry. Looking at their draft picks, I mean, sure, they got their first rounder this year. That's going to be dealt at the trade deadline. They don't have their second rounder. They have a, a conditional pick from Arizona, but it's still – not really going to happen on much. Anthony probably had to run out right there because he was saying now he had to run out. So no worries. Uh, but there's, I mean, you got to wonder what the Leafs are going to do with that. And speaking about one point that I didn't make about the Alexei Lafreniere situation is the Rangers going to have to make a decision because Ottman's coming. There's no way around that. So you can't just say, all right, we'll just put this kid off to the side. Make it up to see what he could do. So it's, 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 it's just that simple. They got, they got to figure out what they can do. The Rangers specifically, it's just because that's why the Islanders could take their time with Wallstrom. There isn't a player that's coming in. That's really pushing him out. You could still see potential. You could still have some time trying to figure him out over to the Rangers when you got Ottman, who's going to be coming to the pros, and who knows, it could be as, as early as April. He could be a New York Ranger and go in for the stretch run. 
I think I don't think this is going to happen because he's got a slide contract. The Rangers are going to leverage that because you you have to take the extra year if you have it and keep uh, team control. So, uh, but that's just you know. But by the way, Tommy, I I do wonder about a player playing at home. Sometimes, sometimes it happens where it's a good thing. Sometimes it doesn't. So. Uh, right now it is 801. I'm going to go to 805 guys. So we got another four more minutes. Uh, the, which I didn't say another 10 minutes. I might even start playing uh bye-bye right now to help us, but it's, um, once again, by the way, if you guys haven't done it, make sure you are appeasing the YouTube gods and the algorithm and that you've liked this video and there's our hand of God. Oh, so because I last check, we are on 10 likes. We need to get a lot more than that. So uh, I, I got to stop that because that's the last time I want to be given the finger. So um, that actually I learned how to make more graphics like that. So it's going to be it's going to be a, a lot more fun with that. But, you know, I got to wonder about people playing at home because maybe him being at home might help them mentally speaking. Or maybe he needs to just have a completely different change of venue. I mean, that, that can happen with a lot of players and then they, they end up succeeding and growing from there. By the way, asked before are the Isles in danger mission of the playoffs, 78% of you said yes. And especially when you look at everything that was going on right there, let's get back to some of these comments. Uh, Christy was saying, is it really bad uh, if I've played in the AHL next year? Uh, I don't think it's really that bad, but the thing is he was forcing his way on the Rangers in the preseason. You don't want to demotivate somebody and send him down to the, to the minors. David is saying uh, Matthews, Bedard and Meyer would in Arizona would be insane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, David, thank you for the 11th. Like, <laughs> yeah, we always need these because the YouTube algorithm uh, just, and we need to be kicking it out there all the time. But uh, I don't think you're getting anything for Sammy Blay. Not anymore. Or Julian Gauthier. I don't think you're getting much. for Julian Gauthier might net you a fourth-round pick, I'll say. I wouldn't go third round for Julian Gauthier. Um, and you get some people that believe Julian Gauthier should be getting top-line minutes. Like, wait, what, what are you talking about? He's fine where he is on the fourth line. That's it. That's all he's ever going to be. Um, but, again, it's – it's where you can't help but look at everything. And, and you know, the other thing about Austin Matthews and going back to what you guys were saying with that before, and yes, David, Kreider's no-move contract goes at the, same, uh, at the same time. If if Matthews doesn't win a playoff series this year, why not start looking at going out west? Why not look at, like, maybe – in LA in Anaheim and Arizona um, where he, I mean, everybody's expecting him to move to Arizona, but you know, a lot of, a lot of people have also said they love be, living in Arizona, but not playing for the coyotes. If the coyotes have a chance at getting Austin Matthews, they need to take it because that is obviously the greatest PR they could ever have. And it's, it's just, you know, you look at teams out west. There, there aren't teams in the Pacific Division that really are blocking 
Austin Matthews from succeeding. And that's where, because that's where you also have to say you're an original six team. You lose a player like Austin Matthews. That doesn't happen. That just does not happen. I mean, the last time I think an original six lost a player like that with still, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking Messier right now. That's how, how far back I'm going. And he went to Vancouver. And let's be honest, it's because Dave Check had shoved him out the door. So, hey, Romanello, how you doing? So, um, but they're going to have to restock the cupboard. All right, Nick Type is saying, so what's the final verdict here? Are we, uh, are we with giving off? A continued shot, or are we calling him a boss and waiting to move on? Personally, I think the Rangers organization should be ashamed. And uh, there was an F-bomb in there, and I agree with that 100%. Like, look, I, I got to 100% agree with you on that because they should be ashamed in the way they developed both Kako and Lafreniere. Now, you could say that there were problems with each player, but also I could tell you there was potential with each player. Like, Philk will tell the story about when Capo Kako – Scored a goal versus Calgary Flames in his first year. This was in November. Then he took a questionable penalty that it shouldn't have been called and then was stapled to the bench. And then uh, basically he was taken off power play one in favor of Ryan Strom. What the hell was Ryan Strom going to give you? And I don't give a crap what the rest of his production was. So are you trying to are – you, are you trying to actually uh, succeed – and develop these young players. Cause again, the, you can't tell me that both Kako and Ophrenier were given in positions where they were able to succeed at all. No, no, of course not. I mean, you're basically taking hot rods and putting them in the garage and leaving them in the shrink wrap and hoping that they're going to uh, accumulate value. It, it doesn't make any sense to me what the Rangers have done with this. And the reason why it actually makes very little sense to me in any way is because, yeah, I know um, Panarin and Kreider were signed. But if that was if that's the case, if that was not in your plans, then you, you trade the pick. That's what you do. Because let's say, again, I think it was um, – Chris T or somebody that said that in there earlier. If you if you redrafted the draft, uh, the Kako draft, then the the Rangers end up with Trevor Zegras. Well, no duh. The biggest uh, um, need was center. But and and again, look, I also think Chris Kreider has earned his ice time because he's been uh, he well. First off, he should be the captain of the New York Rangers. But I've given my my logic on every reason why he's not. The next thing to say with that is that, you know, you just signed Panera to a huge mega buck deal. You, you got to use him too. I know. And, and I know what you're saying. Gallant didn't prom- promise it. See, but the thing is, Tommy, I'm not sure if, Tre- if um, Trevor Zegos would be great as a New York Ranger because I, would the Rangers have – let him go back to the world juniors. Would they have gotten him to come along slowly? And then would the Michigan rub people the wrong way? Like there's a very traditional mindset with the New York Rangers, especially Chris Drury. Just, you know, ask Phil on his thoughts with, um, 
Well, by the way, actually, yeah, he did pro uh neg the uh Gwant did promise to play the kids. He said that. He said that lots of times. But again, coaches want to win games. Every coach will always go with the veteran first. That's what they'll always do, which is what's funny because I think the Islanders have been better with Hudson Fashing and uh, I think it was Simon Holmstrom than with Kyle Palmieri and Cal Clutterbuck in the lineup. But we'll see about that. But they wouldn't, uh, they wouldn't have played him over Strom or Mika. Yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, that's why I that's why that's why you guys come here. You got all all the points that I'm gonna make, and and you know something, Tommy, I got I had some great points, and one reason why I will never give up on Chris Kreider. There are two players that our friend Timmy Kirkostas said were going to be a good, uh, real good players in the future. One was Chris Kreider, and the other one was Mark Savard. The Rangers gave up on Mark Savard, and it, it did take him to go through Calgary and Atlanta before he finally found himself his last year in Atlanta and then had a great career with the Boston Bruins. And uh, hopefully he's healthy and okay because he was having concussion problems uh, to end his career. But now, and now Trocek, Zegers would have had the same problem as Lop is having here. Yeah, of course. And it, it, there would have been some excuses. Chris G. Hey, how's it going? I know you messaged earlier, and I never, I never was able to get back. Romanello saying the Rangers are the only franchise that could see a team going to the Eastern Conference Finals as a net negative overall for overall team growth because they snap into a win now a year early. Yeah, that's basically the one way to say that. It's they're definitely a win now. They're they're definitely a win now, and if that's the case, like I said before, if, if I said this out of frustration. If you trade for Patrick Kane, you might as well trade all the rest of your youth because eventually those guys are going to need to get paid. But, you know, all right. But going with this, no, that's um, – well, David, I think I think Kreider would have made it through torts. The fact that he succeeded – you know what? Uh, no, I'm going to give you this because I, I think torts developed a, a couple good players – into real good players. He developed Dan Girardi into a really good defenseman. He developed Ryan Callahan into a really good forward. By the way, Ryan Callahan would have been, he scored 29 in 2012. And he, I think he would have been uh, the only Ranger forward drafted in this millennium to, to score 30 goals if he had one more. And then Kreider eventually did that. Think of how it just the, the, that's the thing. The, the Rangers' track record of the players they've drafted hasn't been good. They're they're getting everybody else's. I mean, um, I remember Joseph Bale was supposed to be something good that they got for uh, Alexei Kovalev in the 2004 season, a little bit late, or just the the Rangers. I I, I question a lot of their talent scouts, talent evaluators, and then the decision makers, because then you have to figure out who's going where. Because uh, after all, the Rangers had Mike Knubel too. Remember that? And then he was better. He was good before he came to the Rangers. He was better after he left the Rangers. There's a lot, there's a lot of – for every Ranger fan that right now, by the way, is questioning the organization and their development strategy – 
it's all in fair play. Because here's the other problem. When have they ever done well with their development? Ever. I mean, think about it. Going back 30 years. So uh, I did say 8.05. So we're actually now 10 minutes over. Uh, so I'm going to start the music now, guys. Well, we're going to go for about two more minutes. Uh, there's, because there's just, there's a lot, a lot of good hockey talk that we had today. And you know what? We were going to have even more, too. But like I said, I got, there's a goal going right here. God rest the soul. Right? Excellent, excellent, talented uh, musician. And I love using this song as our uh, goodbye song, too. But, so the Rangers tomorrow night. I actually might be going to the game. I don't. Yeah. And and by the way, yeah. How do, how do they not see it? They never prioritize. And and this is another thing about it. Let's get this, this straight, too. The letter was to accentuate that they were going to develop young talent. They have not done that. They've done it with their, they could do it with their defense. Adam Fox was basically a finished product. I mean, Keandre Miller looks like he is going to be a cornerstone piece for this franchise for years to come. But they do not prioritize uh, developing their forwards. That's, that's terrible. You can't be doing that. And the funny part is, the last 10 years, they did a good job with developing average forwards. Derek Stepan, uh, Brian Callahan. Chris Kreider, at least, was still something, especially in the Stanley Cup uh, contending years. Uh, then you had, uh, I mean, Zabanajad was considered to be a bust. Not now. Uh, but again, Zabanajad fit right into their second line, and then they never removed him from there. He was their power play quarterback up top. And then if you remember, he moved to the bumper in 2019 and had the 42-goal season, obviously, that five-goal uh, game, which was still amazing. But, I mean, there's they, they have to they have to prioritize how you're going to use these players. Because, again, now imagine if imagine if they left Zibanejad just up in that spot and he's just hauling back and cranking on the bombs in the Ovechkin spot, because that's really what it's called, the Ovechkin spot. Uh, but he might not have developed, but now look at him now. So, but Gabarik, yeah, Gabarik, uh, was a free agent signing. And I mentioned this about Gabarik in three years of New York, being a New York Ranger. I'm sorry, four years. Cause I got to include 2013, but he had a, um, a 40 goal season to start as a Ranger and then a 22 goal season. And there's a there's another number behind the 22 goal season, which was disturbing. And then it was a um, then it was uh, he went back to 40 in 2012. So that gave the Rangers two uh, two out of four years of 40 goal score. And Gabbert really liked being in New York. Uh, he was a little soft. He disappeared in the playoffs. But uh, the 2011 season when he scored uh, 12 uh, 22 goals. Uh, I think it was 10 of those goals were in three games. He had a four goal game against the Leafs. He had uh, two hat tricks. I think one against the Islanders 
And I forgot who the other one was against. I used to remember them all like the back of my hand. Now I just see lots of veins. So <laughs> it's no, no, it's but but again, the Rangers did. And, and don't forget, Carl Hagland, Jesper Foss. Now you got to develop superstar talent. Superstar talent does doesn't go third line. No, these guys were these guys were playing twenty minutes a game. You gotta you gotta at least use them a little bit, and that's where I'm worried about Alexei Lafreniere. So, everybody, by the way, so once again, thank you very much for joining us today. It is always incredible to do this show, and I can't wait till uh, can't wait till this more of you to watch and uh we're we're doing these more maybe we can start doing them every day as soon as we start making some profits <laughs> all right anyway thank you very much if i'm if you're gonna be at the game tomorrow i might be there so you know feel free to say hi if if i'm there shoot me a message on instagram or something and uh or even uh twitter but it's been a great time everybody and Goodbye. It's been nice, you know. Take it easy. We'll see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.